Welcome back, everybody, to the We Only Do One Take podcast episode 14. We're not going to go into the numbers <laughs> again, Kieran, that we did last time. I don't know anything about the number 14. I think it's just a regular number. It's not special or lucky in any way. Kieran, welcome back to the show. Thank you very much. <laughs> I, I wasn't actually paying attention because I was trying to write a note to myself on my phone because I don't have a pen and paper. Yeah. But um, yes, 14 is a very auspicious number. <laughs> and in fact, I can probably do some research on that number. You could do that. Hey, you know what? While you do some research on the, the lucky number 14, yeah. <laughs> we'll introduce our guest. Yes. Which is... Very excited, by the way. Very excited. We've been meaning to have him on for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And he's just been so busy with everything that he does. I hear he's a very busy man. He is. And he just decided this is the last thing he wanted to do, but he's here today. That's fair enough. Look, why why would you come in here? And Watsonia is a very dangerous suburb. I mean, someone rammed into the IGA. Uh, you know, why would you come here? Call I- the Watsonia. Mate, you can laugh into the mic. It's fine. <laughs> so let's just give him a warm welcome. Big, um, big round of applause. I'll put it in. Don't yeah, okay, worry. Okay. Actor, producer, blogger, amateur photographer, and lover of conspiracy theories, at least researcher of them, Mr. Adam LaRosa. Uh, greetings and salutations. Uh, that is the first of many Seinfeld puns for tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So Valley's just started. That's, uh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm actually going to put like a bed under this, uh, under our table, you know. Yeah. Seinfeld, yeah. <laughs> oh, what was the song he was singing with the little kids around? Oh, now I can't even remember. Ah. Ah, oh, just ruined the reference. What can you say? <laughs> but anyway, Adam, thank you so much for coming on the show. We've been trying to get you on for, you like have. I said, uh, quite a while to talk about all the fun things that you've been mm. doing recently. You have. Thank you. And I apologize for the time it's taken <laughs> for me to, to be present in this uh, most modern and technologically advanced of studios. Thank oh. you. <laughs> thank you very much. It is. It is modern. You know, and it also comes with a gym. Oh. It does, it does. So, if, Which uh, I don't use because I have a personal trainer up the road. True. Okay. You know what, speaking of, uh, speaking of, oh, you got the phone call this time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks, uh, Greg. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to him later. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. right. Um, speaking of gyms, I will have to talk about our push-up competition up mm-hmm. later. I've written mm-hmm. up some rules. I've done some of that sort of thing. Oh, really? I think, I think we're going to make it professional. Got to get some people involved. Have you started to train yet? Yeah. Okay, well... So have you. I, no, well, yes, but I haven't actually done any push-ups yet. Yeah, okay. Because I'm still trying to get through the gym program that my personal trainer set, and I thought, I'm very close. I'm very close to getting through it, and I feel like next week I'll be able to start I'm very excited for you. Yeah. Very excited for you. Are, are we doing any drug tests before we do the push-ups? Uh, well, we're going to be drinking while we do the push-up test, so maybe this is not... Excellent. Thing. We'll be fine. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to be involved in that. Oh, that's oh, excellent. Good. I'm happy to be involved. Oh, well, I'm actually going to invite you along to, to, to do that, because Adam is, uh, definitely could do more than me, so I feel like I'm already going to lose. <laughs> excellent. That's fine. Um, we'll have to invite Blaine As long as, as well. I kick your ass, all is good. Oh, <laughs> that's rough. <laughs> And I feel like it should be an outdoor location. Okay. Mm. Okay. Maybe a Sunday, you know, the sun's out, mm-hmm. then it's Melbourne, and then by the afternoon it'll be pouring with rain, yep. and thunderstorms. Lovely. And, and Any location in mind? Oh, oh, I, oh, we'd have to do Sunny Bundura Park. Yeah. <laughs> Keep it local. <laughs> Keep it Invite local. the bugle down. Invite the bugle they down. Some photos, <laughs> write, <an event. laughs> write an article. <laughs> we could have a barbecue. Oh. Oh, it'd be great. I'm, I'm in mm. for that. So anyway, we'll get to that later. But Kieran, as we always do. Yes. 
I hear you've got a rant. Absolutely. Um, it, it, now, this is a question. How many of you... How often would you go to a drive-thru? Like the cinema or drive through bottle no, I meant like a fast food restaurant. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Twenty years I haven't been. Okay, that's that's probably very good. Mm. <laughs> um, only if I'm very very drunk and mm-hmm. ju- and just needs chicken nuggets. Okay. Hopefully you're not behind the wheel. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, in an Uber, it's fine. It's fine. Okay. Safe. That's safe. Well, every now and then I've got to make a trek down to uh, Sandringham, mm. uh, which is probably an hour, an hour and a bit from here. I've got to make my way down that end. Anyway, and it's generally... I, I generally travel down that way, but it's generally like 11 o'clock at night. And then, you know, I'm tired and I want to just get a coffee and what's open. It's McDonald's, right? Mm-hmm. Is, the, is the only place that's open. And look, it's consistently crap. <laughs> Are we... Uh, wait, is this where we're going to get sued for defamation? Maybe. Anyway. No, no, no you can defamation. have an opinion. That's fine. Yeah. Having an opinion on something... Uh, because but it's consistently it's- crap. It's yeah, still uh, an opinion. I think yeah. there's a general consensus. I would say that so. would agree with yeah. you. Yeah, it's like Starbucks coffee. It's oh, shit. Yeah, and and they failed in a, in Melbourne. In yeah, 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 yeah. But they, I think they've now got three in the city. Mm. Yeah. So they're, anyway. no, they're all terrible. Oh, don't get me started. Anyway, <laughs> that's a rant for another day. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I get I get really annoyed, really really annoyed. And if you use the drive through, you generally know what you want, and mm. then you go through. I get really annoyed when you're stuck behind someone who doesn't know what they want. Who's probably, because it's 11 o'clock at night, they're probably drunk like Turch. <laughs> probably having a conversation with Shanika, who's behind, you know, the, the what is it called? Not the radio transmitter. The, like the, she's, the, she's serving you. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah, through the, te- you know, not the telephone, the, the headset. Um, and all I want to do is just hurry the fuck up, move along, know what you want, or, you know, park figure it out it because fast it's supposed to be fast you're supposed to be getting there uh, this is what i want and then move along mm. right mm. everyone and and you know what really annoys me when the person in front of me doesn't use their their pay pass their tap and go they've actually got to get the <laughs> card out they've actually got to swipe it put the pin in and i know we're now living in the 2018 so it should everyone should have pay pass but no, it's not 2010 but just hurry up because all i want is my coffee all I want is to get back on the road. Mm. I don't want to have to to wait. And then, of course, you know, it's 11 o'clock at night and there's no staff on anyway. Mm. Mm. What gets me about that is... This is probably more a complaint than a rant. <laughs> no, no. This, <laughs> this, this, is going, this is going to be a complaint as well. Mm. On, on the topic of pay pass is that there's no uniformity with the machines oh. as to where you Absolutely. bloody tap. Yep. Yeah. Now I go to tap on the screen mm-hmm. by habit and nature, and mm-hmm. that's my first in- instinct to tap on the screen. And then I'm consistently told, "No, you have you tap on the side. No, 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 it's that side. No, 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 it's the top." Oh, for fuck's sake! No, I know what the worst ones are. The big Combank ones. Yes, the big. Yeah, the have huge you seen ones. Those ones, and they're like they're like a LCD touchscreen thing mm-hmm. as well and they're like where do you swipe it oh on right on the other side of this thing <laughs> it's about like you know the size of this uh i, I can't uh, it's visual it's a visual pun that i'm doing here <laughs> do you know what i and as much as i complain about the pay pass people it wasn't probably until about uh six weeks ago that i actually got pay pass i was still one of those what old what are you talking about no no i still had I, i've moved to the ing because there's no bank fees right 
I've still got my Commonwealth Bank just, account. You just ask your bank. Just yeah, but I still had that. I still had that. So I had to swap. <laughs> you have to swap. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, common and I, misconception. Uh, Angie's got no bank fees. I didn't want to. I read the Barefoot Investor. Uh, excuse me. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> Were you barefoot as you read it? <laughs> oh, no. There you go. Otherwise, the advice doesn't work. <laughs> Yeah, and then they give it over to you, it's too heavy, you can't hold it, you fall down to the ground. So so going on from that, I hate going to the self-serve lanes and then going, oh, you know what, I got a $5 note, the thing is like, you know, $4 or $4.20, and then they give you like 80 cents and 5 cent coins. (laughs) I think that's, I think that's almost, that's worse than death. I love self-serve because you don't have to, you know, you don't have to interact with anyone. I'm good for self-serve, but I just don't don't like the coins that they give you. I think they purposely went out of their way to program the machine to go, you know what we're going to do? You know those five cent pieces that you can't use for anything else but donate to charity and Mm. use at our coals? I just save them up for the Good Friday appeal. Yeah. You know? That's what I've been doing recently. Or in the hat that's passed around church. Yeah. You have to get rid of them somehow. (laughs) Wait, that, someone means else that means I'm going to have to start going to church. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> this is the most anti-church man I know. And he's not going to go to church just to give away his five cent pieces. Do you know what? I had to bite my tongue the other day because I was working. I, was, I had a client there in the school grounds and these two kids go, oh, we go to Sunday school. And I just was like, okay. Yeah, it's mm. pretty. Okay. That's fair enough. Isn't I, it bad enough Monday to Friday? <laughs> <laughs> well, one of them goes, one of them goes, I just wish I could sleep in. And I go, uh, <laughs> this is like a nine-year-old. And I go, yeah, I sleep in every Sunday. <laughs> oh, day ruined. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you why I don't go to drive through. And when you mentioned Maccas is because mm. my first actual job oh, from right. 14 years old and nine months was at McDonald's. Uh-huh. What's in the secret sauce? Well, yeah, there's a lot of things that you actually <laughs> don't want to know what's in them. Oh, come on. Give us the goss. But it's uh, speaking about McDonald's and five cent pieces is that, uh, I don't know if it still applies now, but you can get meals that are, you know, two ninety five, four ninety five. Everything's 95 mm. So everyone hands over a $10 note or a $5 note. They always get five cents and change. They always used to leave it on the tray. Of course, who's going to take a five cent piece? I worked at McDonald's for several years, collected all of these five-cent pieces, Mm -hmm. and I kid you not, I I had them all in, I don't know, it was almost a small bucket. I ended up with about four or $450. That's amazing. When I counted it all and converted it. Wait, you counted all those five cent pieces? Well, you have to to take the money well, to a bank. You have to you actually have to count it. They can't they don't well, count now it they've got you. coin machines. No, only if you're a drug dealer. Okay. You well, have an auto I'm counting machine. Clearly I'm a drug dealer when I go <laughs> to the Commonwealth Bank. For us plants, we need to physically <laughs> count it. Physically counted, buddy. Um <laughs> Now they used to weigh them as well before they had the counting machines. I think they still do weigh them, but you still have to count them like in the bags and stuff. So I've developed um for one of the gigs we did for, and we put all the money in for the, what's it called, uh, Movember. Yeah. And yeah. the cliches raise all that cash. Mm. A lot of coins. I had to count, physically count them all, put them in bags of like dollars and stuff like that. And then even going into the bank, then they still counted them and still weighed them. True. You would remember. When and you I, know what? There's yeah. nothing better. Someone in another universe has a podcast and they're having a rant right now going, I hate the people that go to the bank with all these coins and all I've got is a simple thing and they're there and they're wasting the teller's time. Anyway. Oh, probably. I wouldn't think it's a waste of their time. Like, 
What's their job? <laughs> no, no, I mean, they, like, there's, there's not many people that walk into a branch nowadays anyway. So they're probably thankful. No, no, no. In Watsonia, the Commonwealth Bank closed <laughs> and it has been outraged. Oh, it closed. It closed. It shut down. They now have to travel to Greensboro Plaza. Oh, oh gee. Yeah. And Mitre 10, who was next to the Commonwealth Bank, has now lost like 50% of its foot traffic. That's amazing. I, I, I have a problem with the word plaza. Experience. You know, if it's Chadston City or, Chad, or High Point Shopping Centre, it sounds like a grand destination. When the word plaza is attached to it, like Greensboro Plaza uh, or Laylor Plaza, yeah, it that's, really that's sounds a- like a subpar <laughs> third world... Uh, Shopping strip. Well, you just described Laylor Plaza. I'm not going to lie. I don't think the prices in Laylor Plaza have changed since the no, 70s. No, they're still the same. That's, yeah. That's one thing. If you, if you want an experience, Kieran, mm-hmm. uh, go to Laylor Plaza. I'm and all buy, about experiences. And, buy, and, and in fact, I'm, I'm very interested later to hear Adam's view on, my, on how I review movies. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, far out. No, yeah, but... Um, Fun fact about Greensboro Plaza, no one goes there. <laughs> they all go to Northland so maybe or Doncaster. We should, maybe we should record a podcast there to be quieter than the bloody <laughs> the studio, I'll tell you what. I went background there. noise. I went there to get a haircut, thank you. I'm very impressed. And uh, short back and sides because I panic when I get to the hairdresser. I, I, don't know what to, I, I don't know what the trends are, plus I'm losing my hair. Mm, I'll keep I, out of this conversation. <laughs> And so, what do you get when you go to the, the hairdresser? Yeah, basically the same, to Short be honest. Back yeah, it's you conservative kid. motherfucker. Oh, look, you know what? <laughs> I used to have very, very long hair, and I used to have a very dirty beard, and now I, I just can't do that anymore. It's, I'm, I'm too professional for that. And by that, I mean it's, it was a lot of work. It was a lot of work to keep long hair. I, I fully understand how, how annoying it is for girls, but I don't understand that girls don't wash their hair every day, and that still freaks me out. What's that? Girls don't wash their hair every day. Oh, really? That's a real thing. I, I heard it can't be t- it can't be too clean. If that makes any I, sense, uh, that that sounds no. It makes no sense. Three guys <laughs> it talking make sense. about no <laughs> hair. We are. Uh, this is not our scope. We don't know nothing about this. I have I have some experience because I did have long hair and I used to wash it every day. Mm-hmm. So step it up, girls. What can I say? <laughs> I uh, used to, I'm not sure if you remember years ago, but I, I actually used to, Kieran, have my hair in a ponytail. Yes. yes. Really? Yes. <laughs> and obviously, this is not a, uh, a visual show, but I have the Dwayne The Rock Johnson at the moment and <laughs> yeah. have had for the better part of the last 18 years. Oh, yeah, give or take. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I'm, I will be joining you soon. Mm. <laughs> it is thinning. Oh, Someone yeah. said I need Ashley and Martin, who's not a sponsor. <laughs> but- <laughs> and never will be. <laughs> oh. Kieran, I think we should get on to the articles. Uh, why don't you start it off this time? Oh, shit. I've got to get my article up. Oh, um, that's why I told you to go first. <laughs> this is, this is, I use technology. I don't print out. Yeah, I, I, I don't you have know a what? printer, you know- which is on purpose. Yep. I don't have a printer. Yep. Um, Sorry, can I just interject there? Yeah. He uses technology. Yep. But only recently acquired PayPal. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, back to the article. <laughs> Look, I, I still work for the government, so this is the only way I can get, get the information yes. off the screen. <laughs> Except for when I was uh, uh, back doing my studies, I had unlimited printing, so I'd go nuts. Yeah. Um, this is a bit of an old one, but I thought it was hilarious. Yep. 
So uh, I've pulled it up. Teenager sues his parents for two hundred fifty thousand dollars for naming him Gaylord. <laughs> <laughs> a seventeen-year-old boy from Missouri, 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 Missouri. Missouri that's had, a pretty, that's a pretty Bible kind of state, isn't it? In the U.S. In the South, yeah, yeah. 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 Has launched a civil lawsuit against his parents. Civil. <laughs> Against his parents for naming him Gaylord as a child, a name which allegedly caused him to suffer from a lot of mockeries and even serious bullying, which I don't doubt. Yeah, well, probably happened. My, my, Mm. straight away, I'm just gonna put it out there. Um, he could have just gone by his second name, Lord. Well, Mister Lord. Well, just, just, just anything. He could have gone. Just call me, call me John. Like, he could have done that straight. Like, since you went to high school. You know on those forms? Um, so, you know, your name, preferred name? Yeah. John. Just, just your preferred name. <laughs> Stage name. Stage name, yeah. Like Prince. Actually, Prince's name was Prince. So, there you go. Mm. Or Cher. Uh, G- Gaylord Williams from the small city of Kirksville in Missouri. So Gaylord Willie. Can you, can you, like... Okay, I can actually understand why he's suing now. <laughs> he's suing parents Dave and Carrie Williams... For deliberately making his life miserable by giving him an outdated and terrible first name. Um, something, 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 something. Presented this morning in front of the county circuit court, the teenager boy claims he was an undesired child and that his parents deliberately gave him the first name to make him a scapegoat. Wait, wait, he's an undesired child. So that means like he was an accident? Sounds like it. He claims, he claims his parents' ill-intentioned plan has worked and that he has to endure con- constant mockeries and bullying because of his name. The young man has even been physically assaulted on several occasions and has even been hospitalised twice. He says he's tried to get a name change in the past and asked his parents for their permission on several occasions, but they declined every time. Well, hang on. Did he ask for their permission when he decided to sue their asses off? <laughs> Just to cease and desist but, letters but in the to mail. to change his name, he needs permission from them. Oh, that, <laughs> but not to oh, sue them. No. Well, <laughs> ah, the US. <laughs> uh, he finally decided to file a lawsuit against his parents in order to obtain a financial compensation for the suffering that they deliberately caused him. His parents deny his allegations and claim that they simply named him Gaylord because they liked that name. Every year, a few dozen young Americans launch civil lawsuits against their biological parents for various reasons. Many of these cases are cases designed as wrongful birth lawsuits and are often instituted by children with terrible names. I'm really confused by that, by a couple of things. Because if he's suing them for, say, $100,000, will that financial compensation make his life better? Because his name will still be Gaylord. Mm -hmm. Or, Or should he be... Going to the county court to uh, to try and overpower his parents' decision to change his name. That would because that would if he's be, suing yeah. for money, then his name really isn't his biggest uh, issue in his life. Plus, if his parents don't have two hundred fifty thousand dollars, then they can't really pay it. Well, mm. there's that. But that's the thing. Like, what I would just be going. I want to sue for the right to change my name. Or like, hundred percent. That's all you're really wanting. And after that, like, you know. My question is, where's he getting the money to hire the lawyer? So, <laughs> no, like, no fee, he's no 17. Win. He's 17. It's not like he can just go into, you know, he's probably working part-time. Legal aid. aid. Legal aid. Oh, yeah. That's going to be... Oh, yeah. Why not? <laughs> um, you know, there's only so much money to go around for a 17-year-old. Now, maybe a legal aid's going in, but I don't think... Would a legal aid... 
Like, they're not going to get any money what, out of it, I are would, they? I would be a stupid 17-year-old because I would be like, two grand. If I get two grand, <laughs> yeah. like, I'm the richest person I know, right? <laughs> true, true. A- and a car. And a car. <laughs> <laughs> I would be like, two grand and like, oh my God, look at me. So, he's 17. So, mm-hmm. if we count back, when was... Meet the fuck. Meet the parent. Was it Meet the Fockers? Meet the parents. Meet the parents. Which was the first one? I think Meet the parents. Meet the parents. The parents. How, the was that seventeen years ago oh, or eighteen years be. ago? So what is it? Seventeen. That's in two thousand. Was that the inspiration for the parents naming their child Gaylord? Potentially two thousand. That might be the way. There you go. Yeah, a film I, reference. I always find <laughs> and a Ben Stiller <laughs> film reference out of all the films yeah. you could have chosen. You've gone with the Ben Stiller oh, one. Ben. Fantastic. Love that film. Good film. Oh, yeah. It's because, uh, what's his name? De Niro's in it and he just, he just nails it. He just, he just plays, um, what's that character he plays? He the just spy. plays Robert De Niro really yeah. well. <laughs> yeah. He's really just method acting. Yeah. He just, he just. It's Robert De Niro in every film is, is yeah. My favourite film is Casino. Nah, that's it. Yes. Well, God, Casino, good, Goodfellas. Goodfellas I keep, for me. I keep, I keep. Goodfellas for me. Yeah. I, I'd say Casino. There mm-hmm. you go. Mm. Oh, speaking of acting, what mm-hmm. a segue we got. Sometimes it just works out a bit too well. But Adam... Uh, we should have a segue, sorry. We should have a segue <laughs> where we have got like the worst segue I've, like possible and like we have to try and segue into that, you know? Like, that's true. Set it up really badly. Oh, we'll do, we'll do it for the next thing. How about yeah, that? Okay. Like me trying to get out of this back <laughs> to our topic. <laughs> hang on, hang on. I'll set you up. I'll oh, set Jesus you up. Christ. Why don't you go... Um, Banana peels to acting. Let's yeah, see sure. that segue. So you know that uh, old old trick in the films where they slip on a banana peel? Well, mm-hmm. funnily enough, Adam is a professional actor. Oh, he did it! Now, I don't want to downplay Adam, but yeah. I did theatre studies in year 12, oh. so I know a little bit about acting. <laughs> Ooh, a bead of sweat has just... <laughs> Emanated from yeah, that's my. Cause, that's because the the uh, the studio is very warm. From my never-ending forehead. <laughs> <laughs> so I've known Adam for a very long time, mm-hmm. and for as long as I've known him, he's always wanted to get into acting. And mm-hmm. in the last about, I would say about five to ten years, it's just exploded. Mm. Yeah. And it was only last year, I believe. Last year was the Legend of Ben Hall. Uh, yes, it was, yes, it was uh, released last last, last year, year, just over a year. I ago, just, yeah. I, I think it was t- like 2016. I uh, talked to this guy, and he's like, "I'm in, I'm producing this film, mm-hmm. Australian film, big sort of thing coming out. Um, it's called The Legend of Ben Hall. I'm I'm, act- I'm, I'm in it a little bit, but I'm producing it. You've got to come and see. You've got to come see it. Mm. 2017, he calls me up, come and see this film opening night. It was at the in Hawthorne. What was the cinema called? Uh, it was at the, oh, I can't remember the name, <laughs> Glen Ferry Road That's in the Hawthorne. One. I can't remember this. And cinema. opening night, got to sit right the front row. <laughs> no, Sorry one, no one wants the front row at the Sorry cinema. Sorry about that. But no that, one, that is gonna... actually a good sign, Turch. Look at the positive. That means it was a full house. That was a full house. No, it was a f- absolutely a full house. It was it was fantastic. That means you were a nobody there, Turch. Yeah, I was. Don't worry about nobody. that. Yeah. No one cared about you. Everyone yeah. went, the who's, people that, that, who's compo- that dickhead in the front row? Don't speak to him. He's yeah. pointless. He yeah, has no yeah. connections there. Yeah, He's just yeah. family. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, 
absolutely amazing film. And since then, he, you've been in what? You've been a uh, ANZ commercial it's, I saw you uh, recently? Yeah, it's happening. It actually began, my journey began before you were born. Oh, Jesus Christ. So I'm, I'm not sure if anyone knows, but Turch is actually my younger cousin. Mm-hmm. Um, I look so, older, I know. Yeah, no, so my, my journey began when I was in uh, primary school. Uh, I'll try and keep it as brief as possible. Yep. But uh, we got time. I was <laughs> go as long as you want because okay. I don't edit. I don't edit. Turch does. So uh, the more you talk, the more he has to edit. No, so I was. Uh, I, I I took an interest in uh, in the field, and I was actually cast uh, in the lead role in primary school. Uh, do you know the story of Jack and the Beanstalk? Oh yeah. Yep. So we went to. I went to St Mary's in Greensboro. So yes, I'm local. Uh, well, I grew up locally. And uh, I was, which I just want to point out, yeah. my niece who's six, Holy Trinity beat St Mary's in the under eights basketball oh, last wow. week, <laughs> a whopping sixteen points to four. Wow, to four. Yep, deplorable. <laughs> <laughs> Step it up, St Mary's. Yeah. Shout out. <laughs> uh, are they are they part of the deplorables then? Does that make them? Uh, I think it would. It would? I think it yeah. would. Okay. okay, so yeah. So anyway. Speaking of segues, getting back to it. Uh, <laughs> Welcome to this show. Well, that was a blunt segue. But uh, no, I w- so I was cast as the lead role of Jack in Jack and the Beanstalk. Prestigious. Here's the kicker. Here is the kicker. The entire play was in Italian. Oh. oh okay. And it was a traveling roadshow play. And we took the roadshow around to all of the Italian nursing homes around Melbourne <laughs> and performed this play of Jack and the Beanstalk, all in Italian, to Italian, I won't say clientele, an Italian elderly audience wogs. in nursing Old homes. Old wogs. <laughs> Old wogs, basically. <laughs> uh, and that's that's the inception of my love of acting. That's insane. That's insane. That was a long time ago. That's a very long time ago. And yeah. what, from going on there, what was your first, I guess... How did you get into, I guess, the more from the amateur world of uh, Italian yeah, what, nursing homes? What, what is the actual transition what, from yeah. amateur to professional? Like, what's this? What's this? Because oh, what you was know, your what's your story? Because I know everyone's is a bit different. I'm sure you've met yeah, a lot of people yeah. doing yeah. a whole bunch I, of stuff. Because I'm sure you know, there's you, you know, struggled for like thirty years, twenty years, whatever. The struggle never ends, Kieran. You had to do cocaine and hookers, <laughs> and you know, I haven't done that in case parents listen. <laughs> <laughs> The second lawsuit will come from Adam. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> also wanted to change his name. <laughs> yeah, so uh, classes are always a good thing. Uh, it's like untapped. It's like energy that needs to be uh, concentrated and embraced and guided. Mm. Um, and like anyone in any creative endeavor, I guess you you have uh, your your brain's never never ending. It's ticking. There's so much creative uh, ideas processed in your mind, and you you really need guidance. So it's I would I I actually was trained by. Okay, I'm not sure if you'd know him. His name is Tony Nicopolis. If you've ever seen the Wog Boy. Mm-hmm. He was Nick Giannopoulos's cousin. I think he played his cousin. Who Wasn't wore everyone the, in that film, Nick Everyone was his cousin. cousin. But he was the one who wore the neck brace. Yes. And was yes. always oh, trying... Oh, my neck, my neck. Yes. Oh, falling in front of the police car, yeah, trying yeah. to claim compensation in Centrelink, all of that. So I had personal tuition with him, uh, both one-on-one and group classes. And this went on for a couple of years. 
Uh, and then I was represented by him and started doing small odd jobs here and there as an extra. Mm. Uh, it, I, I, I'm pretty sure everybody starts out as an extra in the industry. Mm. Uh, Unless and, you have fantastic tits. Well, <laughs> I trained very thank hard. You, thank you, too. They are... Um, I trained I very it's hard. The second but time no. you've commented on anyway. <laughs> They've actually gone down. I've oh. measured them. And side note, because you know, I've been gymming, and they have reduced. So I'm very making impressed. progress. <laughs> well, I, I'm still an A cup. I can't. <laughs> I can't get any bigger than an A cup. Have more. Have more soy, mate. Have more soy. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so that happened, and uh, my first two gigs actually, I'm very proud to say. I was directed by Garth Davis. Does that name ring a bell? I must say the... Garth act- from Wainsworld? <laughs> no, no. The acting industry is not my forte. Isn't is it? it? No. Okay, so Garth Davis, you would know him as the director of Lion. Have you seen the film Lion? Is that that recent... Oh, as yes. A, as a professional film critic. <laughs> uh, no, no, I don't know that now. You haven't seen Lion. It was it was an Australian film starring Nicole Kidman. That was yeah, the one that had Dev, Dev Patel, the child that goes back to in India. India. Yes. yes, he was lost in India and he spent the better half of his adult years. Oh yes, that one. Yes, yes, yes. that's Lion. Yep, it was a, Massive. an amazing I, film. I think it won a couple, won some kind of award. Won didn't? several several Academy Awards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was actually directed by Garth Davis mm-hmm. in his first feature film directorial debut hmm. i was directed by garth davis amazing in two of my very first tv commercials granted i was an extra i was <laughs> young but that is my connection with with garth davis oh, and like the whole a, you know yeah. one one degree separation from hollywood six so to speak of kevin bacon or something going on here did you meet nicole <laughs> uh no, this he was is, a... He is a part. <laughs> no, 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 because no, I've got an interesting... Because when they filmed Australia, Australia mm. the film Australia, yeah. they did, my family's got family up in Bowen, and Nicole and Hugh Jackman were up, up there, and Hugh Jackman actually enrolled his kid in the local state school, and um, you know his kids played rugby on, on the weekends, and basically Hugh, you'd, you'd bump into him at the supermarket, right? Nicole just... She stayed on her yacht. Like it was like I film uh, and then I go to my yacht, oh which I was thinking I was like if you had met Nicole it'd be interesting to hear another perspective. But yeah, no, I haven't uh, haven't met her unfortunately yet. Yet, yet, yet. Mm. Always hopeful. We'll get Nicole on the podcast. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So just cough into the mic. It's funnier. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's giving me more work to do. It's fine. <laughs> uh, that's fine. Yeah. So that that was a long time ago. Uh, and then you uh, you move into more kind of featured work. So mm-hmm. in just after the dot com boom in two thousand and one, mm-hmm. I'm not sure how old you gents were then. Eleven. Okay. So in two thousand and one, there was a show in the US which was a huge hit called uh, Ally McBeal. Oh yeah. Have you ever heard of that, Kieran? Yes, Miss B- Miss McBeal. All I feel, I believe she also features in Futurama. In a, she does. In a, oh, and, does she? And she does the Dancing Baby. She does the Dancing, dancing Baby. baby yeah. Really? Famous, famous she also features as Harrison Ford's current wife. That's true. Well, there you go. They've been yeah, married yeah. for a long time. The uh, Han Solo himself. Don't there ask me what Ellie McBeal is because <laughs> I will fail that. Test. Legal drama. <laughs> Legal drama. So the reason I bring that up is because uh, at around the same time, Australia, as we do best. We don't uh, innovate, we we copy. Mm-hmm. So we thought that we could make our own... Channel 7 actually thought they could make <laughs> their own 
Australian version of Ally McBeal, and it was called Martial Law. Mm. I do remember that. Lisa show McCune. Being... Yes. Who, for a good 10 years running, Lisa McCune was in every conceivable Australian show and theatre production. And Coles advertisement. Because there's <laughs> yeah, a, yes, that's right. That's right. <laughs> there's a law, and, and don't quote me on the exactness of the law, but there's a law that says X amount of content on TV has to be made in Australia uh, or produced in Australia, right. whatever like it is. The Canadians, they have to have a certain amount of um, music on radios be Canadian. Yeah. Correct. They do get around it, though. The recent film, uh, oh, what's the film Mel Gibson directed? Uh, the war film? Yeah, uh, some patriot thing. The thing where he's another hero. It, it was basically a Hollywood feature film, mm. uh, but they had a couple of Australian cast members in it, uh, a lot of Australian crew. I, I believe they filmed it in Australia, but for the most part, it was a Hollywood production. But it won, bags all of these Oscars and awards, uh, and they're hailing it as one of Australia's greatest modern films. There you go. But anyone who watches it would think it was a Hollywood production. Mm. Uh, but what was I getting at? Ally McBeal, Martial Law. Okay. Yeah. So in 2001, just after the dot-com boom, I landed a guest role in an episode of Ally McBeal. If you saw it, you probably wouldn't recognize me because I still had a full head of hair back then. <laughs> Ooh. Yes, I know. Uh, but that was that was amazing. That was my first real taste at being on a proper film set not mm. just a commercial uh and that really uh ignited it ignited it it fueled my passion even further to want to p- pursue this and it's just gone on from there uh kieran do we have a sponsor today we do and i'd like to thank we actually have two sponsors oh it is the Shapes Original Barbecue. Thank God they went back to original. Oh. It is the oven bake, not fried, Arnott's Shapes Original Barbecue. Flavour you can see. And <clears throat> thanks to Sapporo Premium Beer. Discover the perfectly balanced taste that's irresistible to all as you share rich moments with this masterpiece of the brewer's art. I don't know whether you're saying it wrong or it's just really bad English. English. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe my glasses need to be changed because that was really hard to read, that, that, that fine print. Um, but that is Sapporo. Good pronunciation. Very good. Uh, from Japan, 1876. I don't mind this one. It's pretty good. Uh, I've had one of these in ages. It's Japan's really oldest, oldest brand. Well, when I was at the bottle shop, which um, the What's Only Bugle has, uh, this better be still part of the ad, has done an article on about how drive through supermarkets don't work. Great read. Because mm. um, the car went through the window. Or actually, the doors in the early Not hours of the morning. drive through as he was hoping. <laughs> um, I went, what beer haven't I had for ages? And it was the Sapporo. Lovely. Or Sapporo. I don't know, whatever you call it. <laughs> so you just got off your... Spiel on Ale- on the Alec McBeal clone of Jesus Christ. That was a lot harder to say. It sounded so good in my head. <laughs> uh, so yeah, you rubbed uh, you rubbed up against. Uh... <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Did I, oh. I rubbed up against Nicole Kidman? No, I was going to say uh, Lisa. Uh, what's it? Oh, now I'm Lisa totally McCune. Wrong. Lisa McCune. <laughs> I was going to say rub nipples, but that's just a terrible. Oh my thing. god! Where is this hey, going? Hi, let's just do that again, eh? <laughs> 
No, no, absolutely not. Uh, I won't allow it. That's right. So what was the next step into your lovely, illustrious uh, the, the career? Ne- yeah, the next step was being uh, interviewed and questioned by the Victoria Police <laughs> as to why I rubbed up against the lead actress of a prime time Channel 7 show. Uh, so that was the beginning of the Weinstein era. Hey, it can't be as bad as the guy that just did the uh, was the professional standards guy. I don't know if you saw that day in the news today. No, I didn't. Oh, he basically went online and under a false account and was saying some really racist and lovely things and he was the head of professional standards. Oh. What a guy. Of oh, Victoria Police. That is the Victoria's <laughs> finest police. The only one we got. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway... Back to civility. <laughs> yeah, so we're getting to how we got professional. How we became how professional. professional. Yeah. Okay, so uh, after uh, martial law, I uh, met a director of a film that was in pre-production uh, called Nightclubber. Mm-hmm. This was in 2002, uh, and it turns out that this feature film uh, had some heavies involved in it uh, from the underworld. So if you remember the Melbourne Underworld War mm-hmm. yeah. that was going on and, and that ended because most of them aren't here anymore. <laughs> um, They'll eventually kill each other and it all will be fine. I right? think that's the yes. reason why yes. they're not here anymore, Kieran. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I'll, you know, may, may he rest in peace, Willie Thompson. I'm not sure if that name rings a bell to you. But he was one of the uh, men involved... Uh, unfortunately, to his demise in the Underworld War. And this actually does have something to do with the film I'm talking about. So he was the stunt coordinator uh, of this film called Nightclubber, and he also had an acting role in it. Mm. So I spent a lot of time on set as a youngster. I was actually lucky enough to be the casting assistant for the film and had a supporting role in it. Uh, so I spent a lot of ah, time. So he cast himself. I had no, no, <laughs> I did not. I did not. Uh, so I had Something a Kieran would do. <laughs> All I'm thinking of that's great, and I and I love where this is going. But how do I become like? Network CEO, you know that. That's all I want to do. I just want. <laughs> He's to... building up to it. He's building up to <laughs> it. I'm, I'm building up. I'm not how, quite. How can yet, how man. can no no? How can I? <laughs> not no. I just want to act. That's fine. How can I be the one that's making the decisions for the network? Uh, apparently, so far, become part of the underworld. So, <laughs> yeah, I think becoming part of the underworld will get you anywhere you want to be. <laughs> how long you'll be there is another question. Got it. Uh, so, yeah, so I was involved in this film and uh, after this film, or I can't remember exactly, it was a while ago, during production of this film or just after it was released, uh, this whole underworld thing came about and uh, unfortunately, Willie Thompson lost his life and of course, the film, for better or worse, uh, was the recipient of a lot of publicity and attention. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it did bring a lot of attention to the film and the fact that it was very dark. And, and yes, the film was very dark and involves the underworld as such. Um, but yeah, that was that was another taste into filmmaking because that involved the men's gallery and all manner of things, <laughs> which I'm not sure if they're suitable for this uh, We are podcast. on the internet. Yeah, we are we on are the, the internet, internet, so you can yeah. say whatever you want. Okay, yeah. yeah. So... Uh, yeah, they, we, we spent a lot of time at the men's gallery, both filming there 
and being present there during its operation. Well, you had to scope out the locations. Yeah, locations, that would be yeah. the. Well, of course, you know <laughs> what? What better way to conduct cast and crew meetings uh, than in a location as as dark as that? <laughs> I have been to the men's gallery on a few occasions, mm. um, and it's been a wonderful experience. <laughs> I hope uh, they they certainly don't accept pay pass in there. <laughs> no, swipe only. I went after my first visit. Make sure you've got all the cash drawn out from the ATM before you enter. Yes, not the ATMs. There. Anyway, so um, yeah. So then, then it's uh, I, 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 an, yeah. an honest question. When you're on set, and I know I'm jumping a little bit, but is it true that there's a table full of food? Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> yes. Why am I not in this industry? It's constantly refueled. I kid you not. Really? It's refueled. It's topped up. Is it part of the in the contract or the, the no no no? It's just the catering agreement. It's, I would it's assume. just part of. Okay. Do you know how you often hear? Well, I'm not sure if you've heard it, but whenever a, a film is involved or you hear about filmmaking, you always see the word buzz. There's a buzz on, on when you're making a film. There's a buzz on set. Yeah. Have you heard that before? Yeah, there's yeah. the energy. It's the, energy, yeah. yes. Pe- people, people are all like extroverts, and they're all bouncing off one another's. Hundred percent extroversion. Even introverts become yeah. extroverts on yeah. a film set. Yeah, uh, and, and part of the buzz, I'd say, a small part of it. But if you had anything to do with it, then I'd say for you, the food or the catering would be a big part of it. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so it's. That's part of the buzz of what you feel on a film set. Hundred percent. How this is? I know we're getting there, but I'm jumping the gun because um, <laughs> it's very interesting, and I just can't help myself. How many, on average, when you film a scene? Because I know there's like um, you film these scenes, but you've got green screens, and and then you the stuff gets added in, and all the effects yep. and all that kind of stuff. On but on average, how many takes does it mm. take? So you've you've obviously you've got to do like the read through. And you've got to get the funding and then you've got to do rehearsals, mm-hmm. which I'm not sure how many rehearsals you do. Yep. But when you're on set, like how many takes does the director go? Like, is it, you know, 10 or 12 or two or... Because we only do one take here. That's, we only yeah. do one take here. Yeah. yeah so that, that wouldn't be conducive to filmmaking. There, <laughs> Even if an actor or an actress absolutely nails their first take, mm. you will never just leave it at one take yeah. ever. Ever. There mm. is always, there's always this term you hear, let's do another one for safety. Yeah. Another one for safety. Another one for safety. I feel you constantly hear that. I feel it's the same for uh, recording music. Like, you know, we've been recording the, the theme tune for the, for the podcast. Like, you know, it's like a 30 second thing, but like all those guitar tracks, I would have recorded like five or six of each. Mm. And then the solo, I would have recorded five or six of each and just Don't chose ruin the it. We only do one take. Oh, so I perform that live at, <laughs> <Okay>. on the. <laughs> that's a re- I perform that live every single time. And, uh, Sorry, I'm breaking the illusion again. And the voiceover for Japari's video. <laughs> Japari? Japari? Japari. Japari. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll show you that later, Adam. You'll love it. Okay. <laughs> um, th- that was only one take. Mm. That was only one take. Yeah, yeah so there you go. Oh. So, so yes, it's, it's so to answer your question, it is never, absolutely never one take unless, and here is a big unless, that is specifically uh, part of the film or part of that scene or it's only supposed to be like, one like, take. Like to something get like a stunt that's very a expensive. A stunt or to get raw yeah. 
emotions that yeah. are that are natural. Yeah. But that is so rare. Ninety nine percent of the time, yeah. there's how, at how least my, five takes. Because I know when I did, like I said, I did, I did theater studies Oof. just to get out of actually sitting behind a desk at high school. Um, but there was this whole thing about like in the theater, you've got to be over the top and you've got to you know, get your, express yourself. Whereas in, in movies, I heard that you had to actually be very sort of, you can't... Less beat. is more. There's yeah. a saying, less yeah. is more. So how, so you're going from, you know, you've got a script, you've been casted. So how long, because this is the other thing, movies just are, uh, you watch these films, but then they might use like the same set, but they come through at different points throughout the timeline of the film. So yes. that's all filmed in one one take, that set? Or? Well, it, it's funny you mention that because with The Legend of Ben Hall, uh, now uh, I don't suppose you've seen it, but... No, no I haven't. I, I did try to get him to watch it, but we just... <laughs> other things came up. Yeah. No, no, that's fine. <laughs> so The Legend of Ben Hall, uh, majority of it was filmed outdoors on location, mm. which is a nightmare. Uh, anything on location adds many zeros to the cost mm-hmm. because you're dealing with the elements uh, and you can't control those elements. So mm-hmm. it's not like being in a studio where where the atmosphere and the environment is 100% controlled. Yeah. Uh, we did film for, I think it was five or six days in the Melbourne Dockland Studios. So all indoor scenes... In the entire film of the Legend of Ben Hall, are filmed in the Dockland Studios. Oh, oh wow! In two sets. That's amazing. Two different sets hmm. were used and rearranged to create every indoor scene in the Legend. You'll of have ben to Hall. watch it because that's absolutely incredible. Because there was there's so many indoor yes. indoor scenes. We'll, we'll just make of- sure that all my movie requirements. Oh yeah, for absolutely. Me being a critic, are met, and then I'll watch it. Yeah, don't worry. I'll get you some beer, popcorn, and some legroom. Movie. It's fine. a long film. It's it a is, long but film. it's fantastic. But there's so many indoor scenes. But not only yeah. indoor, lots of indoor, scenes, lots of varying indoor scenes. Like Correct. we're just not just talking about. Like, you know, because it's set, uh, what, 1800s or so? 1865. 1865. Mm. You know, so we've got like a lot of wood cabins, but also we're talking like bars, we're talking about... Mm. Um, hotels. Know, hotels, courthouses, and all a whole bunch of... Mm. You know, it's not just like, you know, yet one indoor cabin. Yeah. It's, it's very varied. And to hear that it's only two sets that have been rearranged, that's, yeah. that's I, almost insane to think. That's right. I mean, that's a bit of trivia. I don't think a lot of people... Uh, outside of the film, are actually aware of that, but that just I'm putting that on the IMDb page now. <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah, so that that's just one aspect. So that gives you an idea of like a production designer, mm. how critical the role of a, everybody. But if we talk about production design or set design, how critical that role is, because that person or persons involved in 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 that task. Uh, have to there's so much involved in recreating 10 15 20 different sets and environments mm. and you have to make them look different otherwise the audience is going to say hang on that's the same that's house. exactly the same background as mm. the other set and that mm. was inside a house this is supposed to be a hotel um so there there is a hell of a lot involved in it but the amazing thing about sets and i guess like a band church yeah. is that it is Honestly, and we hear this word, it's like a buzzword thrown around a lot nowadays, but the word collaboration, uh, making a film is such a collaborative experience. It's because every single person, no matter how senior or junior their, their, their role is on set, they're all genuinely working 
for one result. Mm. Mm. Um, no different than making you no, know, music. No, that's right. Exactly right. So, so I've got another question. Quickly, yeah, go for it. Um, why, so, th- this is the inter- interesting thing I find about Australian cinema is that that when you, I guess, when you're making these films or these films are going going to production, is do they do their business case and go, oh, we're, we're predicted to make X amount on, on return on this investment? Um, or is it going, ah, oh, we've got all these government grants, we can put this, we can put this together because the government says we've got this law and we've got to make Australian content or, or whatever it is. Yep. Uh, the the law about Australian content is primarily about television, mm. not film. Uh, but in regards to that, film it doesn't always get. Well, in most cases, Australian film, independent film, does not get government funding. Mm. And this is a big issue uh, in Australia. This is why there is so much independent filmmaking and independent production going on. Uh, because the government really, and I don't like to say this, but it needs to be said, and anyone in the industry is aware of it, unless there's a big name involved in a production no or, inter- no or, or attached to a script or a screenplay, the major funding bodies really don't even want it. They, they won't give you a, a first look, let alone a second look. Mm. So they, they're wanting a return on their investment, the major funding bodies. That's what yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it all... Unless it's guaranteed. Unless it's guaranteed, uh, which, you know, look, what's guaranteed nowadays? But if there's a name like Hugh Jackman attached or Nicole Kidman... Jeffrey Rush. Jeffrey Rush. Uh, then 100% they will uh, put their money put their money in. But mm. this film... So how does so where, so this is another tangent. That's okay. Yeah, working dog productions. Yes. Uh, they did the castle. They've done the dish. Kieran's favorite film. Yeah, uh, I love those two films. Mm. Um, and they've done a number of other content. So uh, they they funded themselves, or they they got other funding, or uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know those details intimately, but I know it is a group. Um, sent what? Who is it? Santo Chilaro. Mm. Uh. Gleisner, Tom, Tom, Tom Gleisner, Tom Gleisner, yeah. Uh, I know there are a couple involved in that group. Uh, my best guess, because I see this happen all the time, is it was again, it was a collaborative effort by them years ago to say, hey, may- maybe they were experiencing the same issues with uh, the lack of funding available, or no one was having a look at what they wanted to do. So they pulled their money together uh, and and possibly found some private investment which is a big thing in independent production. Uh, and, and they made what they needed to make. Mm. And then, unfortunately, you know, back in those days, the ca- Eric Banner was not really a big name. He was in he Fast was up Forward. And coming. Yeah, he's up and if coming. If you remember the show, the yeah. comedy sketch yeah, yeah, show, yeah. Fast sketch Forward. Show, yeah, yeah. But, you know, in those days, it, I guess it wouldn't have been that hard to get any of those people involved in a feature film. Mm. Um but a lot of it is uh, private investment, as majority of the Legend of Ben Hall was as well. Mm. I was going to say, so how did you get involved in the Legend of Ben Hall? Because like, you know, I, I got to see it, and I heard that you were mm. part of the. Uh, no, I, at, firstly, I heard that you were going to be in it, and and then I heard, oh, you're also producing it. And I'm like, oh my god, like what's going on? Yeah, yeah. So, how did you get involved in that, and what made you go? You know what? I want to put. I, I want to see this succeed. Yeah, so uh, it was about four years ago now I had a film premiere at the Astor Theatre in oh, St Kilda. Great theatre. Isn't it? 
Mm. And thank God they saved it Absolutely. too. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank God they mm. saved it. Let's just hope they save the SB. That's all. Oh, no way. Mm. Is the SB up? The SB's uh, slowly that's, been dying for a that's while. It's been closed for a while, hasn't uh, it? Every so often, every Saturday, I think they still have a band in the band room. I saw uh, Dead City Ruins there. We, mm. We'll get Nicholas Trajanovsky on very soon. Um, but other than that, yeah, it's just, it's just the band room at the moment. I haven't been there for years, so shit. Very sad, very sad. That's a tangent, but let's get back yeah, to it. Yeah, let's get back <laughs> to it, sorry. <laughs> no, that's all right. So if, if another feature film I was in called The American Girls was premiering at the Astor Theatre, and obviously because I was in the film, I, I went along to the premiere uh, on this particular night, and what normally happens in this industry in Australia, because we're not a Hollywood, is that uh, some... Short films will play before the feature, hmm. just as like a. So you don't have to watch previews. You get to actually correct watch short previews films. are short films. Oh, that is That's brilliant! Good. It's a, yeah. yeah, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. So, uh, three, I believe, three other short films were playing this night. Uh, and so when I pulled my car up, I'll, I'll get through this as quick as I can. But when I pulled my car up, it was in it was in May. It was dark. It was cold. I parked almost out the front of the Astor Theatre across the road. Gee, how the hell did you get parking? <laughs> I know, right? Very dark. Anyway, I got out of my car and started walking away and I saw two shady, shadowy figures approach my car and look, kind of look around it as though they were scoping it out. And I didn't want to walk into the Astor. I thought, we're in St. Kilda here or yeah. Windsor. You know, it's, it's they, it has a reputation for our for our international viewers, uh, listeners, listeners, listeners. Sorry, uh, not the uh, shady area. Let's just say that it's a very <laughs> transient area, yeah. St Kilda and Windsor. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I was uh, I, I turned back and saw these two guys, and I thought, no, I'm just going to go up to them. I don't want my I don't feel like having my car stolen tonight. So nor on most <laughs> nights. Maybe there's a no. few nights of the year that you're like, you know what, fuck it, take it. A few nights I'd be prepared. For <laughs> uh, so yeah, I went up to them and I said, "Hey, is everything okay?" You know, I thought they were going to steal it, and they said, "No, no, no, we're so sorry. Uh, we're just trying to find the parking sign to see if we can leave our car here." And he, I, uh, you know, we had a bit of a laugh, and I said. I was wearing a suit and he said, where are you off to? I said, I'm off to a film premiere. And he said, oh, so are we. And I said, oh, what film? Because I didn't recognize him from The Legend of, uh, from uh, the American Girls. And he said, uh, a short film called The Artifice. And I said, oh, I'm in the feature. So he told me, his, you know, he introduced himself. He was the director of this short film. And with him was another guy. I'll get to that later on. So anyway, we watched all the films and when his short film came on, I made a mental note of paying more attention to it because I knew that it was his film. He Mm. directed it. Lo and behold, it was a magnificent short film. Mm. Uh, Short films get a bad rap because there's no real commercial value or viability in them. Yeah, but they're brilliant because they should be like... Like I, I, you know, I don't read books, but if there was like a two-hour book, and I know two hours in the film industry, mm. right, is is a feature film, but it's just like you know what, you watch it, you, it's, it's a short story, it's yeah. done, and you're out. Yeah, that's, that's it. what I like. A hundred percent. It's like those little Pixar things they put in front of like all the like Toy Story. They have like mm. a little um, all these little short little films. They're I'd, fantastic. I'd watch short films over bloody ads. <laughs> well, I like uh, that. Good to hear. Yeah. Uh, so I saw his film. Afterwards, everybody mingles in the foyer, and it's a beautiful foyer in the Astor. Uh, so I saw him Was again. Was the cat there? 
Did you see the cat? I didn't see a cat. There were so many people that the cat may have been <laughs> there's a cat trampled upon, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, so, I, yeah, I, I approached Matt, Matthew Holmes, uh, congratulated him on his short film. He congratulated me. And, uh, and then he told me, that's when he told me about a film that is in pre-production he's working on called The Legend of Ben Hall, which at that time was only supposed to be a short film. Oh, wow. Now, I, yes, I saw what he did with his short film. He told me the background of the short for The Legend of Ben Hall. And I was so blown away, not only by the story, but by him as an individual, Hmm. that I thought to myself, I want to support you. And the Australian film industry is so small that it's all about people supporting other people mm, especially within the industry within very the industry in, very important mm. within the industry and and this is one thing i can say frankly that pisses me off about this industry is that actors especially actors only tend to support especially financially tend to support another project if they're involved in it as as an actor or actress if they're not they won't support it financially. It's the same as the music industry, I'm, I'm afraid. Is it? Yeah, it's it's, it's dog eat dog. It's, I think just because we've got such a small population and we've got such a small, you know, fan base for especially metal music or um, heavier music or instrumental music, which is the stuff I like to sort of put down on paper and record and stuff. It's such a small audience mm. and it's very hard to... It, it's just very hard. Whether you go to like somewhere like Europe, more population... More people are interested and then it's a lot easier to find a market. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So he told me about this Kickstarter campaign for the short film. And uh, I said, please send me through some details. Not even thinking from an acting point of view, just Mm. that I wanted to support him because I thought if that's what he does with this short film that I just saw, Mm. I can just imagine with this period piece being 1865, how amazing it will be. So he did email me, thankfully. And gave me the link to the Kickstarter campaign. I read through everything and I thought, you know what? I'm not even supporting the film. I'm supporting him as an individual. That's amazing. Mm. Because that's really what any creative endeavor needs. is not, su- not someone supporting the endeavor. Someone supporting the individual. Mm. Having faith in that person and, and being prepared to put your money to back them. So basically what I'm hearing is... Because you've got courage and you went, stuff this. I'm going to bash the shit out of these guys who are going to steal my car. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> you now have one of the most successful Australian films of all time. Well done. <laughs> it's because Jesus of Christ, that. what a woke. <laughs> Get away from my fucking car. <laughs> oh, you want a job? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, I, 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 I put some money in the film. Uh, I put more than what he was probably expecting. He contacted me personally, was completely overwhelmed with the amount of money that I put into this Kickstarter campaign. And uh, he then, he obviously knew I was an actor and he said, you know what? Most of the roles are cast, but I have to have you in this film one way or the other. And I, I he could attest to it. I said, no, really, you don't need to do this. Incredible. I'm not expecting it. I'm just happy to support you uh, mm. because I want this film to be made and I know it'll be special. And he kept insisting, no, you're going to be in the film, even if it's a small role, which it was. Uh, so the short film was made. 
And then this is the thing with short films is that you can't really sell them to anyone. When you go to the cinema, and I know you love reviewing your films. Absolutely. Yep. I've heard some of your <laughs> uh, interesting reviews, Very to say specific. the least. <laughs> so uh, I, I yelled about burgers that were too tall last episode. <laughs> so, you know, I can't talk. No, that's right. But, you know, as you'd know, all the films you see at a cinema, they're all feature films. They're mm. not shorts. Mm. So, from this short film, he cut a, uh, a trailer and was ta- and took that trailer around to you know dis- distributors production houses anyone who was interested in seeing it supporting it potentially distributing it the thing is is that most of them loved it they said this is amazing what you've done but here's the kicker it, uh, there is no commercial viability with this as a short film mm. which there isn't there isn't uh, it. They all said it needs to be a full feature length film. Now, thankfully, Matthew Holmes is an amazing director and and visionary. He already had a feature film script for The Legend of Ben Hall ready and waiting. That's incredible. <laughs> ready and waiting. Jesus. Mm. So he said he turned around and said, "I have a full feature script, uh, script screenplay ready for this film." Uh, he found a production company that and dis, uh, distribution company that was interested in taking the project on board. Mm-hmm. They put some money in, mm-hmm. but of course, feature films uh, cost a lot of money. Mm. Uh, and so they put some money in and said, uh, well, the, the kicker was, we'll put this much money in if you can come up with the rest. Yeah. And that's where the fun begins. So before production of the feature film, goes live, he needs to find the rest of the money through private investment. Mm. So what he did, my understanding of what he did, he's, he personally approached the top five or maybe the top 10 uh, highest Kickstarter backers, of which I was one of them, mm. and basically said to us, I remember this meeting uh, one-on-one with him, and he said, look, we've got a production company interested in this film, they're interested in distributing the the completed full, project, full length, the full length film, uh, and and putting their name to it. But we need more money. Mm. And he said, "There is no obligation. If you say no, I completely understand because it's a very risky business filmmaking, as you can imagine." Uh, and he said, "Look, we need you know yay much money uh, if you're interested." And I think within less than 24 hours, I said yes to him. That's mm. amazing. So that that earned me a credit as an executive producer of the film. Uh, and it also enhanced my role in the film. So my role was expanded as everyone's in the film was expanded because mm, it mm. went from a short to a feature length. So yes, yeah, so I'm an executive pro- producer of the film and I have a, a minor role in it. I think I'm in three or four scenes. Cool. I think I spotted you in at least one. <laughs> well, one is good enough for me. That's right. That. No, I think I spotted you. I was like, ah! I think I was sitting next to my dad and I was just nudging dad like, that's him. My dad's like, I haven't got my glasses on. So this <laughs> <laughs> and being in the front row probably didn't Th- help his Thanks, course. dad. <laughs> but yeah, so a quick, uh, a quick wrap up of the film. 
So we've uh, it, it premiered at Forbes in New South Wales, which is uh, in in a rural regional area, very uh, historic area. For I was going to say it was historic uh, around that area was where the whole Ben Hall because it it's based on a true story. Hundred percent. It's so, it, it's a hundred percent factual. It's not like a lot of these films you see that say based on true events and only one scene is yeah. based on the truth. Mm. This is as historically accurate as possible. It's it's like um. From when I, from watching the film, it's and trying to describe it to someone who hasn't watched it. We've got Ned Kelly as a bush ranger. Yeah, Ben Hall was New, uh, New South Wales what, bush what, ranger. What I want to know is it on Netflix? Uh, it's it's not on Netflix. It is on Apple. Uh, uh, I iTunes. Uh, iTunes. I iTunes. iTunes. Right. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because because this is the thing I heard. Anything that goes on like Netflix or Stan or Hulu or anything like that, you make bugger all money. Uh, it's not a lot. No. It's mm. not a lot. But thankfully, uh, the film has... It's, look, it's been a slow journey, but we have slowly distributed it almost all over the world. So one of the first countries to pick it up and take serious interest in it is Germany. Oh, wow. Germany love their Westerns. Who yeah. would have ever thought? <laughs> they love their Westerns. I so feel they, like that suits them very well, to be yeah. honest. <laughs> it, yeah. <laughs> They they paid for the rights of the film. They loved it so much that they hired actors in Germany to redub the film. Oh wow! In into German. German. Wow. Into German. So not rather than just have German subtitles, they actually like yeah, an re- old Bruce Lee it, yeah. film, you know, or wow. an old martial arts film. That's so amazing. So that happened. Uh, we sold the film to. Um, oh, I've just gone blank. What's not Netflix. What's the other? HBO. HBO, yeah. So we sold the film to HBO Europe. So the film is now available on HBO Europe. Mm-hmm. We've sold rights to the film to Spain. Mm-hmm. So they have purchased it. And I believe they're redubbing it into Sp- uh, Spanish as well. Remember, Spain, home of the original Spaghetti Western. Yeah. That, that in Italy. Italy was the other place that produced the film Spaghetti uh, Westerns. Really? Well, the way I understand is the name... It's spaghetti westerns because they used to film in Italy. That I didn't know. You've just taught me. There you go. Only I only know that because Motorhead wanted to do a spaghetti western. They flew him out to Italy to, to record to, to uh, take a photo for their album cover. Oh, I, there I you had go. No that's idea. why. That's why I knew why it was called spaghetti westerns. No idea. There you go. And uh, and the- maybe I'm lying. <laughs> And the last one in regards to budgets, you're yeah. saying, you know, in regards to budgets and how much a film will, will make, is that we have also sold the film through uh, a independent production company, which is closely linked to Sony Home Entertainment. We've sold and distributed the film into North America, being the USA and Canada, and it has exceeded every single budget for sales. Incredible, because oh, it's yeah. a really hard. I mean, it's a really we're in that digital um, disruption mode at the moment. So, unless look, I'm limited in my knowledge here, but unless yep. you're going to the cinema, which I think is one way that you would make you know go to the cinema and people buy tickets, the film makes money, or DVDs, mm. old people buy DVDs, or old people go to. In Sandringham, they've got a bloody video easy, which I'm incredible. Gobsmacked <laughs> that that's still operating. There's like, one Jesus. in Croydon as well. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Yeah. Like anyway, but it's people are in there. Um, mind you, last time I was in there, I saw a young couple. I was like, "What the?" I just want to. <laughs> they're looking. They're actually looking for the videos. Maybe maybe their internet connection was down that night. <laughs> 
Wrong uh, shot, mate. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but then you've got you've got your your platforms like Netflix and Hulu mm. and HBO, but you're not making a lot of money. Per, no, per no, it really depends. Like I mean, there's other avenues that people don't think of. You can sell uh, rights of your film to airlines, mm. so oh, you can yeah. sell rights to a film to Qantas, for example. Okay, yeah. Um, and you know, think of how many airlines around the world there are. Mm. So if it's if it's a big film that a lot of of uh, companies want to get hold of, so you can sell rights to your film to how many airlines are there? At least three hundred. Well, if you get even a couple of the bigger ones like you know Qatar and Qantas, yep. and then like you know um, Emirates, yeah, Emirates or something. American that's, Airlines. That's half the planes. And- yeah, hotels as well. Oh. Yeah, sell sell rights. So yeah, it's. Uh, I I know what you're saying, but there are there actually are a lot of avenues to sell a film to. Okay, yeah. Rights to a film, yeah, yeah. And, and it never ends. Uh, the accountants have a very difficult job. You would appreciate this, Turch. Uh, because film rights, I mean, there is revenue. Think of Star Wars for, for argument's mm. sake. Where does the revenue ever stop? So, so a lot of the contracts <laughs> for film uh, are... I won't say perpetual because, but they're like a hundred years or something crazy like that. Yeah, like that's or e- the limit. E- even even ten years. I, I actually think I don't want to get into specifics here with with my contract, but I think that there was a time limit on it. I think it was ten years. That's a long time. Like it a is a long year time. contract, unless it's like for a, a like you know a government service or something like that. 10 years is yeah. a very long contract for anything. There's a cap on royalties. Yeah. Not in mm. all films. I mean, mm. it's and this is the thing. Every, every film contract is different. Mm. But it is a very fascinating industry. That's crazy. Mm. How do I get to... How do I get... How do I become one of those important people without being important? Which is, you know, like, how do I go to the... Pre, the Money. The premiere. <laughs> you know, but without having to do anything. But people uh, are like, oh, hello, <laughs> you know, hello, Dr. Thorpe. It's a pleasure to money, see you. And I'm money, like, you know, money. <laughs> well, I, I think reviews are a good way to start. Oh, my. Well, well let's step up. <laughs> let's step up. The critics. The, the crit- yeah, yep. But uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> directors have a love-hate relationship with critics and reviewers. All they have to do is take me out for dinner and they've got five stars. <laughs> well, if, it, if it's that easy, we might invite you to be on set for the catering. There oh, you there go. you go. Five, the six star film, the six star <laughs> film that that that, that happens. That's, oh. that's and what really... is the next thing? Because I've had a bit of a look at your IMDb yeah. page because I was doing a bit of a stalk. If you are my cousin, I don't know. It was feel a bit free weird. to. But what what is the next project and where can we see it? Uh, there's uh, three projects that I'm currently attached to that are in the pipeline. Uh, so two feature films are in pre production. One is called The Upgrade. Mm-hmm. I believe that'll be filmed in New South Wales. And the other is called The Nullarbor, which you mentioned before, Kieran. Sounds great. I love The Nullarbor. Only because John Williamson has a song about The Nullarbor, <laughs> right? No, that's great. It's about him and his dog and he travels across The Nullarbor. It's fantastic. I guess I know. I've never heard it. Okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, this is based on... Uh, this might get a bit into next topic but this is based on real life events that happened in the 80s of a ufo uh encounter let's call it a real life ufo encounter that that actually happened to three people Mm -hmm. traveling in a vehicle Mm -hmm. uh, from perth to adelaide 
There you go. So across the um, um, longest straight part yeah, of yes. road in the world or yeah. southern hemisphere. Southern, I think it's the world. I think it's the world. Yeah. I'd yeah. Say so. On the Nullarbor. So mm. this is uh, uh, another based on real life events film. There you go. Mm. And when will that be coming out? Well, it's still look, it's still in pre-production yep. at the moment. Uh I'm playing one of the uh the constables, the police officers involved in the film as Exciting. one of the first responders and involved in the interview process of these yep. people. Only a constable? Uh, yes. Sergeant? Well, you could drop a few of the last letters in that. So I'm, <laughs> I'm sure I'm, I'm sure I'm that in it. But no, uh, yeah. So there's there's those two feature films. But the the next project that's in the immediate future, it's actually within the next two weeks, is a short film called They Can't Hear You from a Melbourne um, production house called Primitive Films. Right. And where can we? Where could the lovely people see that? Well, we haven't actually filmed it yet, so at the moment <laughs> you won't be seeing it anywhere. But we're filming it in a an amazing studio in Essendon. And the catering, Kieran. The yes. catering, my God, the I catering. I feel like we've got a guest that understands me. <laughs> it will be epic. I'm actually not uh, acting in that film. I'm involved in that film as an executive producer. Uh, so there's uh, so a lot of back-end work involved in that, but the catering will be epic. Excellent. And honestly, if you need someone to just Test the catering. scope the catering... <laughs> And you know, just do my magic. That's uh, more more than available. More than available. And who would have thought Essendon has a studio? Who who would have thought they're everywhere? There's actually a film. There's film studios on High Street in Thornbury as well. Mm. Oh, f- what? Yes, yeah. they're called DCF Studios. Oh, there you go. All Same I know as is recording studios for musicians. They're just, yeah, they're yeah, just that's everywhere. Right. They're all, absolutely. All everywhere. I know of is the bars on High Street and the gun shop. <laughs> the gun shop. Yeah. That's still there. That's still there. Really? That's one of the only uh, registered, I think, gun shops in in Victoria. Oh, one second of the, one, of the, one of the biggest ones. Yeah. Bring it on. Yeah, that's and right. There's also a rifle range in Northcote. There is, but um, we'll talk about that because I want to go shooting some guns with you soon. So oh, excellent. That's excellent. Excellent. Um, I know we've got another article coming. We should do a quick article and then we'll go into our next topic because this sort of leads into our next topic. Oh, all right, sounds good. Well, Adam was just talking about a film about some alien abductions mm. and uh, in Victoria, but I thought I'd read this one. Uh, I uh, this is the headline of the article. I was abducted by alien, uh, a reptile aliens who raped me on the moon every night. <laughs> what this is real <laughs> on the moon on the moon every yeah. night yes. okay. so Naria uh, Terella Isley a former radar tracking officer for the US Air Force recalled a bizarre and shocking incident under hypnosis it just gets the rabbit hole just keeps going uh, it gets it gets deeper it gets deeper do you know I have <laughs> I have taken his glasses yeah, off already and serious. rubbed his eyes I have tried <laughs> hypnosis <laughs> As a patient, it does not work on me. There we go. They just can't. They just can't penetrate my brain. <laughs> they just. No one can. <laughs> oh, you set yourself up for the jokes, mate. Lucky, you, lucky you said brain. <laughs> so a former U.S. air worker has claimed she was abducted by reptile aliens who raped her on the moon countless times. Countless. Uh, countless. Ooh. Literally. Okay. Uh, while she was there, she said she was made to have sex with aliens and lift boxes. Lift boxes? <laughs> <laughs> of anything they could do, lift boxes. 
Um, she claimed security guards raped her in front of an audience and she was jabbed in the neck with a mysterious drug while in an underground lair and she said she was raped on the moon. Um, she All this happened under hypnosis. Uh, she was uh, taken into space eight to ten times over several months when she was 25. She said the aliens put her to work having operated... Uh, having her operate electronic machinery to excavate the darkest parts of the moon. Describing how she was used for sex almost every night was on uh, when she was on the moon, uh, It was re- and she was regularly passed between the reptilians. Mm. In addition, she said grey aliens were present, helping to do the work, as well as human personnel, inverted, comment, inverted uh, quotation marks, uh, were also forced to help the reptilians do their bidding on the moon. The incidences stopped in 1980, and she describes her abductors. Uh, they had humanoid. They would look like, look like humanoids, but and did have a tail. And apparently, on the dark side of the moon, there was lots of sexual abuse. Mm. So, uh, apparently, it was all to expand their military base. And she did lots of man. Like I said before, lots of manual labor, including moving boxes. How old is she? Well, this she was twenty five at the time, nineteen eighty. So what do you mean? I've been like fifties, uh, sixties, okay. and she's just recalled this. Well, not only because she went through hypnosis. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, right. So, so something that confuses, <laughs> strikes me odd about that. Do you know what? Apart I from would, every single part of it, <laughs> I would get a new hypnosis person oh, because probably. I think he's planting memories in there. Oh, she's making up a great story to get on. Uh, at the very, on the mirror.com doc, uh, uh, mirror.co.uk, which we know is that very is, reliable That is source. a reliable source. Oh, I, I get a lot of my information from people Mirror. People are just lining up to be on the mirror.com, <laughs> aren't they? So what were you going to say, Adam? What did you find a bit odd about this whole situation? Well, <laughs> only one thing. Everything, everything seems reasonably in check, apart from the moving boxes. So, <laughs> there... No, I, really, I take... Uh, I, I'm confused about that because... If we assume that aliens or extraterrestrial beings are far more advanced than human beings on Earth, yeah, and they're capable of telepathy and you know have all of these uh, powers and 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 mind over matter and control over over reality, but they need her to physically <laughs> pick boxes. Now, what? now it's the 1980s. We've only 20 yeah. years into the moon. Correct. You know, we're it was getting, analog then. I, yeah, you know, we've got to, we've got to, you know, move on, move into the moon. Of course, boxes need to be moved. I would say so, especially for moving from your uh, house in on Earth onto <laughs> the moon. 69 was when we landed on the moon. That's true. Yeah. Did so we? 19, oh. 1980s. <laughs> Ooh, I, I, like I didn't this. want to say anything, but I actually there's two things that I would debate in that uh, is the fact that she was moving boxes. <laughs> uh, that's the only thing I believe. Uh, I think she was in the work. And the second camp. thing is that they're actually on the moon. Yeah, I I, I, I don't think that. Uh, well, I I feel that uh, the moon has never been visited. There you go. So the other reason I wanted to bring Adam on. Mm. And yes. I think I've teased this for a while, is that we should do a conspiracy theory episode. And as I had a whole... long as we get spooky music in here. Oh, obviously. <laughs> it's basically going to be you looped that in the background for about 10 hours now. <laughs> um, so one of the things that, other than his amazing acting and, his, and all that sort of stuff, 
Adam actually got me into conspiracy theories or, you know, thinking differently about a whole bunch of stuff a very Did long I? time ago. Very long time ago. Was it me? It was you. And I, I believe, didn't know that. I believe there is a Facebook page. It is called... Oh my god! Yes, I didn't know. I did not know that was going to be brought up. Well, you know what? I I I tried to do my research and I tried to pass on my research as much as I can, and we can bleep this out if you'd like. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, possibly because I have actually received, in all seriousness, death threats. Wow! Really? One hundred percent. So I I run this Facebook page uh, anonymously. Mm-hmm. I've done so, I believe, since 2011 or 2012. Um, I have been outed a couple of times. I don't know how people found out it was me. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll definitely bleep out what I just read. Mm. Um, <laughs> well, I, yeah. And it's so much so that uh, one particular person who was repeatedly threatening to take my life was based in New York and it reached uh, the point where I actually needed to contact the NYPD uh, and make an official report against this individual. Wow. Wow. Yes. It's, there's, uh, That's insane. Yeah, some people can take things a little bit too far. So, I, I, I'm, I'm interested no, no, to hear. So, and this is why I wanted to bring Adam on because other than the fact he's like the most insane, you know, one of the, for me, like, you know, Australian... Acting royalty in mm. my eyes. You oh, know. thank you, thank you. It's all right. Far from. <laughs> I'll accept. In my it. eyes, I'm anyway. your older cousin. Thank, you know. Thank you. <laughs> but not only that, you know. Look, when when into- Adam does films like The Castle or The Dish <laughs> or Little Miss Sunshine, then he'll have my attention. Hold on, you haven't seen The Legend of Ben Hall. <laughs> that's yet. right. That's true. But you know, he got me into these a long time ago, and for yeah. me, you know, I, I mean, I studied finance and that, and he's like, you got to look into the Rockefellers and how. Uh, the, yes. Yeah. yeah so this is how it started about mm. how the whole banking cartel sort of works, mm-hmm. and you know, and I sort of dipped into it, and I sort of dipped out of it, and to a degree, there are some things I absolutely think especially within the banking world, absolutely, you know, I think that a whole bunch of people do own these and it's all private and very interesting on that way. Mm. And look, some things I don't agree with you with. I mean, like, I think we went to the moon. I'd like to think that we did and, you know, and all that sort of stuff. Do you know, so- sorry, but from memory, your own father doesn't believe they went to the moon. Yeah, but, you know. Based on his sound professional uh, uh, experience in radio technology it's true but my dad also doesn't work for nasa so <laughs> it's one of those things that you've got to take it with a grain of salt mm, mm. but i uh i just thought i'd open the floor up to you Kieran, because you were interested in finding someone that that was into conspiracy theories far more than i was ever was uh, ever see the thing i love it right okay so this is this is the the i guess my disclaimer right is that i have what am i 28 so I would say for 25 years have just been going, oh, is this what the news is saying, right? Okay, I'll believe that, you know, yada, 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 right? Um, I then went in, went in and started my PhD. So, 24 years, right? And I had supervisors who greatly admire, who were like, don't just bring me this crap. You haven't even thought about this issue. You've, you've, I can see that you've written mm. about this, but you have not done any mm. thinking. You and take that crap away from me. I'm not going to read past the second paragraph. Do it again, right? And very, very, uh, like what a steep learning curve. Yeah, that is to go in and go. I've poured my heart and soul out onto this. Um, you know, these two thousand words that I've written. 
and you know like i know i'm going to get feedback and for them to go oh you, i can see you haven't even thought about anything you know for yeah. two, two paragraphs and take no it, critical thought yeah take it away mm. and it's like oh shit i'm in a new element mm. um and i guess that has been my biggest my biggest learning curve over the last few years where um i i guess i haven't given conspiracy theories or the big conspiracy theories any huge thought but my perspective has changed um in that i th- i am willing to hear out i guess more evidence or more opinions on on things mm. rather than taking the i guess the held belief or the mm. held the held opinion now one of them one of them is this whole global warming you know, yeah if you, if you go back 15 years ago i would have been a big campaigner for like oh my god the earth is teeting up with global warming and this is a this is a this is a terrible thing now while i still and i mean my thing is i i've looked at i've looked at meta-analyses and i've looked at the the research into global warming and i still go global warming is is something that is that is occurring and i go that's that is happening but then there's this other element of going well. What what are the causal factors? Mm. And what are the, yeah? What are these causal factors? And I say factors, not factor factors. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, what is the biggest driving change to to that? Um, once again, drilled into me, correlation never never equals causation. And um, uh, part of my I guess uh, I'm sort of in this weird thing of going. I I want to. My approach to things is to find, try and find the closest approximation to the truth. Yeah. Mm. Um, and at some element, you need people who can actually can actually think and debate. And some of these topics, you can't actually have the debate or the argument because people get too emotional. Yeah. Mm. And it and it gets bogged down. And I think there's a huge element to people who go, I disagree with you and, and these are very interesting things or these are things that I've thought about and I go, I haven't even thought about them. Mm. Um so very sorry, very interesting. So mm. I'm interested to discuss some of these these yeah. conspiracy theories. Mm. Well obviously adding in my two cents that I don't you know, not professional opinion, but not my opinion professional nonetheless. Opinion. Yeah. But one of the exciting things well the exciting things for me anyway, is that I guess I've had this philosophy training. Yeah, this mm. this ability to sort of think is yeah. what I call it. And I, I, just I now run, have a degree in thinking. I just run numbers. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, <laughs> which is which is which is really which is really interesting. So, Adam, what yes. is your favorite conspiracy theory? Oh my goodness, my favorite one would have to be of the last twelve months, the flat Earth theory. Oh, okay. Mm. Are you a flat earther? I'm not going to say yes. Yep. And I'm not going to say no. Mm-hmm. I'm in a stage at the moment where, like you said, in regards to global warming, how you don't just want to believe whatever you've been told to believe mm. or whatever has been presented to you your entire life. I'm in a stage of... Uh, Research and self-education and just seeing what's out there Mm -hmm. because for the entire human recorded history, apart from the last four or 500 years, every single person on earth believed that the earth was flat Mm. and some still do. 
Because it's a very interesting, it's like a very interesting phenomenon. So we've got, we've got, you know, um, part of my argument is, so what? Who cares what the people, you know, the last five hundred years thought? Mm. Like stuff them. We've we've progressed so far yep. in our in our knowledge. Like why would we hold on to that um, that idea or that that if something better, like chuck it out? The flat Earth, the flat Earth is very is very interesting because you've got that whole like um, I should have done my research on flat Earth, <laughs> <laughs> but I think there's the whole like just observing how the sun goes up and down or something like that, and and the, the does it the, go up and down? The, up and, well, it appears to go up and down. Is the is the, what I would say there? I would say I my opinion is the the Earth is round. See, look, I'm not. I believe in a round Earth. I'm yeah. going to put it out there. That's my stance on it. And I've talked to a few mates, a few engineers, and obviously the engineers uh, have learned using gravity and because of the gravitational pull and because the Earth is is spherical and the you know, the gravity pushes down to the middle and that's how the the, the uh, a guy that's you know only done finance is going to look at this and go okay, every other planet is round, every other star is round. Why wouldn't Earth just be round as well? Because that would just make, for me, logical sense. The moon is round. You can, you know, we know it's round. We've, we've landed or on. Or is it a disc? Is the moon a disc? Well, some people think that the moon is hollow <laughs> and the Earth is hollow as well. I mean, you know, it could be anything. Have you ever gone for a drive around the block or a, a run around the block? Yeah, but that's just a figure, figure of speech. No, well, but it, I, I understand that, but it is a mentality. A plate, for example, a dinner plate is flat, but if you hold it up vertically, it's round. Okay. so Now, I'm not saying I believe that one way or the other, yeah, yeah. but it's just another way of thinking. Yeah. See, and, and the, here's another th- the thing with the flat earth. So, there's two ways that people go with the flat earth. They go, mm. it's like flat as in like a square, like we look at a map, I guess. And the other is that it's 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 a circular, and like the UN logo, for instance, mm. in that that oh, you know about that, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I have issues with both, <laughs> mainly because one, you can fly a plane around the world. Mm. You know, well, well the interesting one is just the is this is the ship going into the horizon? Yeah, but that that's a whole it's bunch. Been, that's yeah, a that's been proven thing. false. Yeah. Hmm. What no? The refraction works perfectly. That's just that's how. Refra- but let's go back to the one about the the round Earth, right? Round like flat disc, round Earth. Yep. My question is, especially about flight plans. If we were to say to keep a consistent speed, it's the same distance, for instance, from Australia to, uh, time wise to Brazil that it is to the USA. But if you were to compare it to the UN thing, because America is closer to the center of the radius hmm. of you know the central point of the radius so radius yeah the central point of a circle hmm. it actually would be less time than it is to go to brazil unless you're going at about tw- <laughs> like a thousand kilometers or twice as fast it's not the same time taken hmm. in hours all and I that's know, what really all i know is i get a, i get in a fart tube for 14 hours <laughs> and then i land in la that's that's what I know, and as far as I'm concerned, so, it's time travel. So I said that, it's time I said, travel I said, because I land before in, when I left. In, in, in a sense, it is that is time travel. In, in, so instead of going like this roundabout thing of like our, our theories of what, what we understand, what conv- what changed your mind of why the Earth 
wasn't round. No, no, no. Okay. No, no. As what I said, what made you think? Dif- my mind. Sorry, let me just worry about that. Why would? Why have you decided that you were on the fence about this issue? What What was the What was one of the arguments that really made you go? You know what? Actually, that might be something really to consider. Yep. There, there was no one argument. There was just an increased amount of activity and discussion about it. Yeah. Enough for me to take note and say. You know, rather than just uh, uh, label these people as conspiracy theorists, yep. which I don't like that term, and I'm not sure if you know the origins of that term, Kieran. Absolutely not. I, <laughs> I, okay. I am taking on the bad wagon of, of conspiracy theorists. Actually, do you know what? I actually have issue with the word theory. Mm. Um, if I had to pick apart, have pick apart it, because to me, theory is a bunch of supported hypotheses that, that are basically saying the same thing and then that becomes a theory. Yeah. So, there you go. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I don't know where to go with that. But yes. anyway, how about you go from the word conspiracy and where that came from? And okay. Then what was, a few, again, a few of the arguments that sort of sure. made you rethink your way of thinking about the flat Earth or, sure. or, or around globe Earth? Okay. So the origins of the word conspiracy or conspiracy theory or con- or the label conspiracy theorist came about after president john f kennedy was assassinated hmm. there is nowhere in history where that term is used referenced or seen prior to his assassination so what happened because even still more than 50 60 years down the track there is so much hearsay and conjecture about that event uh and this is now. Imagine after, immediately in the aftermath of that event taking place, people were talking. Uh, everyone had their own, you know, theories as such as as to what happened. Uh, I would say hypotheses, but you know, hi- hypotheses. Uh, so it was actually uh, the CIA who coined the term conspiracy theorist mm. as a way to. Uh, disprove or label anybody that was had anything other than the official narrative to say mm. about that event. Mm-hmm. So the media, especially CNN, and I'm not going to get into the whole Donald Trump thing. Fake news. <laughs> you are fake news. But there is, you know, for better or worse or what, people think of Donald Trump, there is some credence to what he's saying about the term fake news. Mm. And he's really in the alternative news uh, kind of scene by him saying the term fake news and now it's becoming part of, you know... Uh, pop culture almost. Yeah, pop culture. Oh, and that, that and alternative facts. Yeah, yeah correct. That's, what, he, that's he, our favourite word. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's actually shed a lot of light and in one way has, has helped to awaken some people to, to think a little bit more critically about the news that's presented to them from mainstream sources. Hmm. Don't, see, on a side note there, Donald Trump is someone who I didn't pay particularly much, much attention to. And then all of a sudden, oh, he's president. Yep. Hmm. Um, and then he's all you, or once again, all I see is him being bombarded and, um, you know, being portrayed in this negative light. Hmm. 
Now, there's... Seems convenient, doesn't it? There's some things where I go, you know what, I still think you're you're an asshole, and I still yep. think that... Oh, that's the fun of it, though. I, I, that's I, why he's <laughs> so funny. Yeah, and I, go, uh, and I still got this opinion of going, you're the president. Mm. Like, you should be toning down some of these things. You know what? Uh, we say that, but then we had a prime minister who used to skull... Had the world record oh, for sculling a beer. I, yeah, so, I know. Sometimes I, know. I feel like there's, there's, Australia sort of started this. There's, and- there's, there's, a bit of a, there's a bit of a prejudice there. And I, I'll, or bias or whatever. I'll, I'll, mm. But but I still sort of go, oh... It's, um, look, there's no rules on how you need to be the president. No. Right. There's no... But there's sort of this unwritten unwritten rule saying you'll be polite and you'll be respectful. I mean, and he has said, he has said a few things which have been, uh, in my line of thinking, always go, if someone can't change something, don't make fun of it. And he, and he has he has done that. Mm-hmm. Um, which I sort of go, oh, you know, as a president, that's, that's a line you shouldn't cross. Yep. But I don't hear anything on his policies or what he's achieving. Or and There's actually, reason for that. And most of it has actually come from Turch, um, mm. speaking to me about the things that he's done. I go, this is really interesting because I don't, yep. in my very limited time that I pay attention mm. to the news, that's not what and I get. And it's sort of funny because like everyone's like, oh, you're a big, t- like, you know, Trump, uh, t- uh, Turch, you're a big Trump guy. I'm like, yeah, you know what? I am because one, he's fucking hilarious. He's, he's almost a comedian. <laughs> mm. But two, his tax plan. Th- that's all I really cared about the whole time. Like, he put out a tax plan where he was just going to reduce tax for everybody, and his tax plan is one of the most solid I've seen in a very long time. Yes, and if I can just interject based <laughs> on what you just said, JFK. Prior this is very to, similar. You know mm. about this? His tax plan was to... I think it was he was going to return to the gold standard was one of the yep. big things he wanted to do. And also it was low, lower corporate tax. And All in, tax. And, in, and, and then personal income tax. Those are the three things that he wanted to JFK do. Because JFK didn't get there initially, but he got there, I think, the six months before he got assassinated. He started to change his... his direction on that he, no he was early on but he had a lot of help from i mean there's other things about him working with the mafia and, and he had a lot of help from daddy's friends yeah mm, uh, putting mm. it putting it politely but um one of the big things was his taxation plans and his which got voted in after he actually passed away yes after he yes died. that's yeah. right yeah. yeah so there's there's a well it's not a common belief it's actually fact the higher you make tax rates Companies or individuals will always look for ways, and it happens today. I do it as well. well. And I'm not even going to have a go at Trump. Do you know how they're saying his whole, why isn't he releasing his tax forms? Well, you know what? All of us, myself included, all look for tax minimization oh, strategies. And that's my biggest argument. Everyone's like, oh, he's not showing his tax returns, or he didn't pay any tax. And I'll be like, What's the first thing you do to when you go to an accountant? It's like, oh, tell me how to get my money back. I, like, I, well, that's the I, I, the, I engaged what, with an accountant twelve months ago, and that's very much that's <laughs> the issue that you're doing. And how I'm do like, I... well, why why can't he do it? Just because he's super rich, yeah. you can afford better accountants. Like if you had billions of dollars, you'd be doing the exact same thing, or billions of dollars in assets. And people don't understand the difference between revenue and profit. Bill, that really shits me a lot. Bill Gates said it really nicely when he came to Australia. He just goes, change the laws. Yeah. He's like, I'm not doing anything illegal. Change yeah. the laws. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. And and there and it's shown throughout history that the higher the tax bracket, uh, the tax rates, either for corporate or personal, you, you know the when, more people, the, the fewer people will actually lodge a return. That's right. But when JFK did it, and I believe as Trump is doing now, lowering all tax rates, corporate and mm. personal, uh, 
less people feel inclined to want to uh, dodge the paying well, their tax. Well, so there's actually more returns lodged, which means more revenue. Up. Or goes up, it stays the exact same. And more stays the you same. Know, yeah. when just before JFK was assassinated, the tax rate in America for the super rich was 91%. Well, that was for the very, very, very rich. And, yeah. if it, and yeah, no, no one, to, no no one, one it. paid it. Yeah. yeah. But that's like, you know, remember when the, I had this, uh, a discussion with another person not too long ago, but they were talking, oh, the super tax in Australia for mining companies. Why didn't that go through? Why didn't this, the, uh, the, why did the mining companies go so hard on to getting rid of it? I'm like, because they had to more than anything. Like, even if that went through for the mining companies to pay, what was it, 50% tax on any dollar over a certain amount. Mm. One, even if it went through, they wouldn't have paid it. Mm. But if they didn't fight it, there would have looked like there was something wrong. Mm. Yeah. It's a, it's a double, like they had to do it to show face. Because it, if they, but let's just say it did go through, then that tax will never be undone. Mm. It's the same as like the capital gains tax or the luxury car tax we mm. have in Australia. It's it's stupid why we have those. The luxury car tax was brought into Australia because uh, we had a car manufacturing in Australia. Holden, Ford, Toyota was all built here. Now, we don't build any cars. We don't manufacture any cars. Mm. But we still pay a luxury car tax. And that will probably never go. Well, I've heard 2019, 2020 I've heard, but that's, don't count your chickens before they, before they hatch, I guess. Mm. But very interesting. I mean, taxation, um, same as stamp mm. duty. I've never worked out why it costs $22,000 to rubber stamp something. Um, I understand. Turch, have you seen <laughs> Utopia? I work in Utopia. <laughs> you know, that, that, you know, for someone to rubber stamp something, you know, that, that takes, what are you saying, 22,000? Yeah. You know, they're going to stamp three a year. I, you I, know, you know, that's their wage. I actually agree with Kieran. Yeah. Because we are sitting beside yeah. yourself, who yeah. is a government impl- paid employee. Oh, that's true. So you should understand more than us why it costs $22,000 for someone <laughs> in the public sector to pick up a rubber stamp. And I know why, because he's going what? out for coffee. Yeah, of course. He's yeah. going out for lunches. Just- My sister, who works in the government, by the way, had a conference, today's Tuesday, a conference today, and I get a text message from her saying, oh, she's got to go to Eddie Hat on Friday. With my response being, do you actually work? No. no, no. <laughs> the trick is to learn how to not work and to get paid. <laughs> and they, that's why it's cost $22,000. <laughs> so really, you're the problem. I've always been the problem. That's the <laughs> yeah. issue. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to rot the system, buddy. I'm on the inside. But at least I understand it. At least I go, you know what? I, I can't see the benefit of how this actually benefits anyone that is, you know, a private citizen. I'm a private citizen. I mean, I you know, I own investment property. I own this. I don't understand why I have to pay, you know, why my rates go up every year. Just because the value of the property goes up. It's still a piece of land and I take care of it. What are you doing for me? Do you know there's actually uh, individuals in this country called sovereign citizens? Mm. They pay zero tax. Oh, really? They do not pay fines. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do not go to court. If they do go to court, they represent themselves as sovereign citizens. Uh-huh. And I can tell you that the this movement is not just in Australia. It's all over the world. I won't say globally because <laughs> that's going back on the flat earth thing. We don't know what it is, but I'll just say all across the world, there are people, there's a growing 
movement of sovereign citizens who do not uh, abide by much of the mundane uh, laws of society. We're not talking about, you know, taking another person's life. We're talking about getting fined for going 63 kilometers in a 60 zone. Mm. It's a growing movement and these people are being called, they are the new domestic terrorists this is a fact do they actually get because you know if they don't pay their fine and then eventually they've got to end up in court do they actually get chucked in jail if they don't pay their fine as these some of them do if they don't know their way around the laws Hmm. uh but there's a lot of very savvy individuals out there and they're they're posting videos uh on youtube all the time to try and educate people about it um have you ever heard of a person called jordan maxwell I haven't, I'm afraid. Okay, Jordan Maxwell. You might actually find him interesting, Turch, because he he goes on to discuss a lot about uh, maritime law and how our Earth, all of our laws, our modern day laws, pretty much stem from a maritime law, which is law of the ocean, not hmm. law of the land, which is common law. And it's 12 kilometers from the beach or something like that or the water when you're in maritime law. It's something like that, isn't yes, it? Yes, it, it, it is very fascinating. Everything about like your birth certificate, birthing is a maritime uh, term. Mm. Uh, when you approach the bench in a courtroom, that, that's a, a term about, uh, uh, that's an oceanic term about ships. Um, a bank, it all, ha- all has to do with water. Like when uh, you're... Mother gives birth to you, her water breaks. Uh, currency is the current of the sea. Oh, oh yes. Banks, like uh, based on the river bank. Uh, everything, he goes, he, he, he basically goes on to give uh, a lot of education about where a lot of our law has come from. And it all stems from law of the ocean, which is maritime law. And it still governs this earth today all i want changed in the law is to be able to buy alcohol on good friday that's that's all i want to do <laughs> isn't there that app now or that service where they deliver alcohol oh, to probably. you yeah, it's probably bad on good friday <laughs> you know pj o'brien's in the city in south bank is actually open on good friday there you go is that a plug I have been drunk there many Good Fridays because <laughs> I would do the Good Friday appeal with the Country Fire Authority. Ah, fantastic. And then not go home with my colleagues and stay with all the young youth and drink it. PJ O'Brien. Is that where you're appealing for anyone to just drive you home? <laughs> <laughs> so this Good Friday, if you're at PJ O'Brien's, I'll take a lift. Oh, we've now got Uber now. That's so. true. Mm. Do they work all- on Good Friday? Uber? I'm assuming they do. Oh, I'm assuming they do too. Yeah. Actually, Trage is an Uber driver. I'll I'll call him. That's true. Hmm. That's true. Yeah, we'll do cash or something like that. Always. Yeah. <laughs> so now the conspiracy theory. Well, yes. Conspiracy theory or oh, all yours. I'll t- take the or, floor. Or <laughs> whatever. I don't know. Whatever new term we've come up with. Mm. Uh, moon landing. Yes. Interested to hear this one. Yeah. I I don't feel very strongly that it happened. Okay. The technology wasn't there. Right, okay. Well, I have heard that our mobile phones currently have more... Oomph. Well... Computing te- power. Computing power, technological power, a whole bunch, like, you know, battery, all that sort of thing, than the Apollo 11 and Apollo, what, thir- 
14 that arrived on the planet Moon as well. Yeah. Any of those rockets, any of those te- that technology that they had, that's what I've heard. They, they had less computing power yeah. than our current like iPhones or something the, like that. You're assuming computing power. Got processing power. Processing power. power. You, you technological abilities and you know, stuff like you're that. You're assuming that the processing power oh, yeah, wasn't yeah. good enough to get them to the moon. Well, that's well, that's what I've heard. Yeah. I'm not saying that yeah. that was a contributing factor, but I'm just saying that's what I've heard. Mm, like yeah. you know, there, there is there's so many different angles to discuss with the moon landing. Do you believe that President Nixon actually picked yes. up <laughs> actually picked up a phone? an old school phone with a cable attached to it and was speaking in real time with no delay as though you and I are speaking right now in real time with no delay to Neil Armstrong, Michael Collins and Buzz Aldrin on the moon, which is supposed, what is it? 250,000 kilometers away. I, 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 I can't, Fact check, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> the top In of real time. And I didn't bring my laptop, That's so we, right. can't, we can't fact check uh, this this episode. Um, no, interesting, interesting. A clever trick that the news does, because I once was saw a gas cylinder explode and then the police turn up and then people filming it. And then that night it was on the news. Yeah. And I was actually there and I was like, oh, this is really interesting, you know, how the, how they've done it. And they actually grabbed like all the footage from the the people, the news, but then got the sound clips from all the different like phones and you hear the police saying something. And I'm like, hang on a second. The police didn't say that at that moment. The police said that like five minutes later, Mm. but they just put it in for the, in the, in the news article to make it more, you know, suspenseful. So so one thing like going on from that about the technology, you know, that's uh, my uh, argument uh, to what, what Nixon did. (laughs) (laughs) Solid argument. I guess with the phone communication, I mean, there's two ways of looking at it. One, you know, uh, voc voice telecommunication is very, it doesn't take a lot of data. It's, you know, this and that. And I'm, I'm sure there's a, far more technical uh you know and obviously the film uh, far more technical answer to what i'm saying but phone data doesn't take you know voice data doesn't take a lot of information to transmit Oomph. yes Oomph. let me stop you right and there. then obviously the dish was a film that we obviously saw great yep. potentially you know that was great uh, based like you know was a true story according mm. to according to uh, you know um i guess general history Okay, you can watch the news on any given night. Yeah. Watch the project, whatever show you want to. Don't watch the project. That is a bad choice. (laughs) Uh, Where they uh, have a live cross via, and I'll use, you can't see here, inverted commas, via satellite to some foreign correspondent on the other side of the earth. Okay. And uh, if it's via satellite and they're speaking or having a conversation, there's a delay. Yeah. True? We've all seen this on yeah, television. Yeah, yeah. There's a delay. I was going to say, this is not hard list to download good quality porn at high high definition. And like this is meant to be the 21st century. Jesus Christ. And they can get they exactly. Can to the we guy have the delays movie. everywhere. <laughs> Everything is buffering. Our lives are buffering. Yeah. Okay. But we can see this constantly on the news, on TV, where there's a delay. There's a live cross with a delay. This is on earth. So you're telling me that President Nixon picked up a phone and spoke with zero delay 250,000 kilometers away to people on the moon in 1969. What can I say? He was Nixon. 
<laughs> he was the president. I am not a crook. He used his executive authority <laughs> to make sure there was no delay. Oh, yeah. No, there's only if only he can get out of the Watergate scandal. <laughs> there's only one logical conclusion. Mm. Technology was far superior than it is today. And uh, But you know where technology was at the height? The absolute height of technology? And I don't know if this is a conspiracy theory, but I've been watching a fantastic show on the History Channel called Ancient Aliens. Mm. And it just... <laughs> and it shows that back apparently in Egypt and the Aztecs and that, they had spacecrafts. Mm. Now, I don't know what high guy, what, what he was doing... <laughs> But I, I watched this show and I go, this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen in my life. But that's just one guy's opinion. I don't think that aliens really ever came down to Earth back in the day. Nor did I think that ancient people, ancient times, Romans, Egyptians, Aztecs, Greeks, Macedonians, or English, I don't think they ever had ancient alien technology. But that's just one guy's opinion. How were the pyramids built? Well, I don't know because I'm not an archaeologist. <laughs> Lots of slaves. I was going to say, slave labor can do a lot. <laughs> and I think that was really the downfall of uh, of man. No more slaves. <laughs> Look in your face. It was comedy gold. I'm not commenting. <laughs> Uh, so, but that's just one guy's opinion. I, I've watched a few episodes of that show and I'm just like, oh, come on, man. Like, you know, they've found tools, they've found markings, they, they know how they drag things around, they've, they've done experiments to show that they can do certain things. That's just, that's just one guy's opinion. And I hmm. look at, like, I don't think, I believe aliens exist. I think there is definitely out, love of life out there. I think it's very, I think it's very implausible that we're the only ones. Mm. Not only in our galaxy, but on, or our solar system, but obviously outside our galaxy and solar system, I think that's absolutely, you know. I think mathematically. Yes, yeah, exactly yes. right. I think it's hard to. But it's an interesting one when you when you do that when you when you talk about you know alien life and what mm. what, what number one what constitu- constitutes alien life. Yeah. But then the other interesting thing is the time aspect. Yeah. So we could be observing a rock in outer space. Oh yeah yeah. yeah. Right, and it takes you. We know the light to travel or whatever. Can when we yeah. look up at stars, they're gone. Yeah, yeah, know, yeah, they're no longer there. Yeah, because they're so far away, right. and the time distance. Yeah, the the distance they are away, and and how fast light travels, they but, could actually be dead by but, the time we look but, at but it. But it's the time aspect. So we could look at, or, or an alien could come over to Earth, right, and could go. Oh, it's just a rock. Yeah, with some water. There's no life here, or whatever. And then X amount of time later, we've got uh, civilizations. Mm. But at that time that they observed, nothing was happening. Nothing was happening. And that's one of the, I guess, the problems we have in space exploration or looking in the universe is the whole time aspect oh, is, yeah, yeah. is running against us. Well, that's the thing. We can look at something today and then tomorrow it's completely different. And so by, by looking at it, yeah, by looking at it, mm. we can go, oh, there's no, there's no alien life there but because it's the, the, the light to travel takes so long. Mm. That they're at that at this time there could be yeah but it, we just can't observe it. It's a very interesting uh, stuff. I agree. Is the right word? But again, I just don't think that aliens ever came here uh, to Earth. In uh, do ancient you not believe in Scientology? Now look, we discussed this about religion. What? <laughs> 
I only believe in Scientology if I can become as famous as Tom Cruise. Okay. That's the way it works. Yeah, I'm yeah. only in it for the money. <laughs> as Frank Zappa said, I'm only in it for the money. No, I want to hear one one interesting thing. So, Adam, yes. you say that you got these these so-called death threats. Oh, well, yes. Well, actually, yes. I don't want to call them so-called. Oh, you got so these death real. threats. <laughs> yeah, no, I this can, is no conspiracy. I'm like, hang on a second. That was, the, that was the wrong phrase. Um... It, that's very interesting. I've never received a death threat. Mm. <laughs> Only from me. <laughs> <laughs> you don't count it. <laughs> um, so, any, anyone from Australia or, 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 or just overseas? Overseas. Yeah. Overseas. And do you uh, think these people just can't, like, have a laugh or they're so no, serious? No, I think... I, I'll, I'll tell you what it is. It's that... Uh, well, what I think it is. The entire alternative news movement... Um, it rattles people. Mm. Uh, we're all born... Well, if we talk about people in the Western world, we're all born and raised a certain way. We're taught very similar curriculums. Mm. Uh, we're all taught to believe uh, and follow a system and mm. be part of that system. Work, uh, uh, answer to people... Uh, be a good slave, pay your taxes, have a wife and two or three kids, and then die. Mm. And uh, there has been a growing movement. And I guess 2001, 9-11, really catapulted the alternative news movement uh, and, and the conspiracy, if I call it that, the conspiracy movement. Um, so... <sighs> I think what it actually is, is that because so many millions and millions, well, we'll say billions of people have been raised or, uh, look, I'm going to go out there and say indoctrinated. Uh, Billions of people have been indoctrinated from birth, from cradle to grave, to follow a system, to believe a system, and have been taught a certain way and a certain thing. Anyone or anything that challenges that belief or the, or that education, mm. uh, which people value because that education, you know, results in our knowledge and people pride themselves on their knowledge and what they know, especially in social circles when they're interacting with other people. So anything that challenges that, that is so far left of left field, uh, people are genuinely offended by that. and and. You're studying, is it psychology? Oh, yeah. Okay. So, and you you can speak with more authority on this than I can, but in, in my uh, experience, when people are genuinely or p- personally offended, they take that as a personal attack. Oh, yeah. And their only way to respond is not with uh, logic and rationale. It's with threats and labels. Because my, my, my argument... On as soon as someone, and and it's no 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 shock to anyone <laughs> that I don't like religion, um, church. I'm sorry. I've never heard this. Uh, really? Please okay. explain. <laughs> but this is a, this is an interesting this is an interesting interesting concept. As soon as someone puts a threat, you know, threat or uh, they're going to attack you, mm. they've lost the argument. Yeah. And my whole my whole. Um, I guess my my whole thing is 
Uh, I'm about arguments and sometimes you can't have the facts right then and there. And sometimes verbal arguments are hard because unless you're loaded with the information and your opponents are loaded with the information, it can actually Mm. be very hard to go, look, I know you, I think you're wrong, but I don't have any information with me right now to to argue. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go the easy option and attack. I'm so happy you said this. I'm so happy you said this, and mm. I'll tell you why. Now he has a professional opinion to back it up. Hey, oh, listen to this podcast. See hey, this guy, the psychologist. <laughs> because exactly what you just said mm. uh, typifies the whole conspiracy slash alternative news movement. Mm. When there's an event, and I'll talk about 9-11. When there's an event, uh, everyone is in shock. And very quickly after that, people start talking. Hmm. And this has happened from thousands of years ago. People will will always talk. But we'll talk about 9-11. So people start talking immediately. No one has their facts. Except, and you'll find this happens always, even with the recent, again, inverted commas, mass shooting in Florida. Okay? No one has their facts straight, except... Mainstream media. Mm. Do you know that within minutes of the 9-11 attacks, they were being blamed on Osama bin Laden? Within minutes. This is fact. You can go back and see uh, official news sources. Mm. How is that possible? I ask you. But I don't expect an answer. I'm just asking the question. How is Love that possible? the rhetorical there. <laughs> yes. Oh, well, you wouldn't get one from me because I, it's, it's, don't I, I don't know the information, no, nor, have I, right. nor have I looked at it. And, and you know what? Who would have the information minutes after hmm. a, a, a catastrophe, a tragic event like that? No one would have that information. The CIA, the FBI, the NSA should have had the information. There was information very credible information that an attack was imminent. People in the alternative network, such as Bill Cooper, I'm not sure if you've heard of him. Uh, off the top of my head, I can't. Okay, there's an amazing amazing book, Segway, called Behold the Pale Horse. I implore you to read it. Behold the Pale Horse. He was gunned down outside of his home hmm. because of what he was spruiking, so to speak. I won't say the word preaching. Because that's religious. Hmm. <laughs> he's, he's selling it to you. Look at this. <laughs> oh, no, they can preach, but, you know, be, be ready for the cable. Yeah. Yeah, no, 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 that's fine. <laughs> so, so getting back to the whole 9-11 thing, uh, and, and you're right, as you said, because no one has the immediate facts upon a, an event taking place. Hmm. So it's all just debate. It's throwing opinions. It's opinion slinging. And in fact, I'll take it even a step further. It's emotion. Yes. Um, and 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 this is the thing. Emotions fuck up logic. Yeah. Hundred percent. There is um, no doubt about that. Emotions emotions absolutely fuck up logic. And you're when right. you become emotional about something, then you're not producing an argument. Correct. And this is where mainstream media play such a critical role in the uh, dumbing down of society is that people love having these debates and people by nature like to be right. Mm. They like to to have the ultimate say Mm. and to walk away with their head held high in any debate or argument. Mm. So people 
don't research as much anymore as they used to. There's no true investigative journalism that takes place on the whole. There are some key people that still do it, but on the whole, there isn't. People uh, generally follow talking points. They follow the accepted mainstream narrative. Mm. If that's what they're told, they will go with it, and then they will argue that point to the nth degree with somebody. And then, because the world carries on and days go by, they forget about it. It's the whole, you know, pray for New York, pray for Boston, hashtag this, hashtag that. They feel like they're contributing. Hmm. A week later, they're back to taking selfies of in front of the mirror and life goes on. Because one, one of the interesting things is when you're, when you're talking with someone or arguing with someone, um, especially with adults, adults will, they take time to change. So there's no way that I could have an argument with, well, sorry, I, and I, I say argument in the point of, I'm not saying I'm, I'm fighting with someone. I'm saying in an argument. A discussion argu- kind of A, a kind discussion of argument, yeah. right? Yeah. You're putting forward logical arguments. Like and I'll the other person you mate down to the pub kind of thing. Yeah, and the other person's yeah. putting in logical arguments and you can go back and forth and you've sort of got this respect that I will listen to your point of view, mm. you will listen to my point of view. We can we can argue about... And I think it's very important to consider values, where your values come from as well, because that's going to shape a lot of your argument and, and the bias you might have towards certain facts and, and not listening to other facts mm. and all that kind of stuff. So that, that's really important to, to identify if you're going to have a proper argument. Uh, where was I going with this? Something. <laughs> PJ O'Brien. Something about something. Um, no, no, you said something and I was going to talk about it. Oh, Yes. So it takes it takes humans or adults mm. a while to actually change their opinion and it's not mm. going to happen in an encounter. It no. will not happen at the first encounter and it will actually take it will actually take time. Yeah. And for someone once again for someone uh, I feel privileged because of the the level of university training I've had. And I don't think I would have naturally have got there. I, yeah. I would probably have said that I was a bit of a thinker, but not mm. not being pushed by mm. my supervisors like I have to to think. And mm. that is actually bloody hard. That mm. is bloody hard to do, to actually think and to question mm. wh- where is this information coming from? How do they get this mm. information? Is is it, What's missing is the big thing. What are they not saying? Mm is probably, you know, 80% well, or 90% what, of, of what you've actually got to think what, about. I, one of the big things that I've I've come across more recently than any than in any other time of my life is, like, people go, oh, I've, I've I cited a study. Hmm. And, like, they go, oh, yeah, study. Important, this and that. I didn't, like... Oh, until, God, I do research. Yeah. Studies are bloody... Useless. Um, uh, useless. <laughs> and that's thing, like, people go, oh, we researched 100 people, but 100 people isn't representational mm. of anything, or 1,000 people isn't... Rep- it's only up to, like, 10,000 to 100,000 people. Well, it, Does it become it, representational enough it's to actually interesting, give a good... It's and, an interesting but, concept, because you're saying before, Adam, mm. that um, uh, no facts come out, or, or people sort of start to generate these facts or whatever. Um, oh, sorry, the journalists. There's no real good investigative journalist. And I'm, I would say the same for research. Yeah. I would say the same that because these these journalists have got a job to do and they've got to get they've got an income and they've got a family to feed and so they'll stick to the talking points. 
And research now, or especially at universities, is now publish or perish. Yeah. Your your benchmark is how much you publish, not on the, the quality. Not on the quality. Quantity. So, and this is a really um, this is a really interesting concept because there is probably very few out of all the fields of research of people who I, I've got in my field authors that I I sort of if I actually read their articles I've sort of got this trust of going. They're my gold standard. Yeah. I know they've put in effort and work and that I probably don't need to be as sceptical with their work than I do to But you've people. done the vetting in the past. Yes. And you know I, how the, the, way, then, the way that they think. That I don't that I don't need to do with, with you know, I need to be more sceptical of other people because there's things like uh, a gold standard might only have 100 people, mm. but I know the effort they've gone in to get that 100 people yeah. or the effort they've gone to make that as representative as possible yep. versus, you know, this other person who's gone, oh, I'm just going to get them off Facebook, Yeah, my 100 people, and... It doesn't mean as much. I can put more weight to... To one to the other. The gold standard yeah. than, than to the other. Um, and it's very, it's, it's, it's very interesting because we've got these undergrads who are now coming through reading scientific articles who were reporting it as science and you're going, but you don't realize how flawed, you know, there's many different ways to get data, whether it's longitudinal, whether it's cross-sectional, whether it's, it's cohort, whether it's representative or non-representative, whether it's the, the, you can get causal factors or non-causal factors. So there's so much, and you actually need a huge chunk of it to then go, you know what? This is actually uh, this is actually all of these different kinds of research amongst these different populations are all actually coming to the same conclusion. I'm pretty certain we could head in this direction. Mm. Yeah, but you don't get that. <clears throat> and and based on what you're saying is that it does take time to get uh, real solid accurate data. Oh, absolutely. So when there's a, an event like a 9-11 or a uh, mass shooting... Or even a global warming, really. Or a global warming. And uh, all mainstream sources across the world all follow the same talking points immediately after an event taking place. Uh, I question that. And this is where the, the alternative um, movement really has its power in that they know... I won't say we, I'll say they know that uh, most people just follow talking points. They just follow the mainstream. They're headline readers. That's mm. all they are. Mm. And they'll argue headlines without Cause I, reading. Because I say to people when I'm in conversing with them, I go, but you haven't put up an argument. Yeah. And that's my first. And then they, they could throw attack after attack at me. And I'm thick skin enough to go, but that's not an argument. Mm. You, you're committing a fallacy there come on, produce an argument. And then I get a little bit cocky, like, come on, you can't even produce an argument. Like, who do you think you are? Yeah. Like, I start throwing it back at them if they're being arrogant. But that's the that's a really interesting thing. You've, you've yeah. got to produce an, an argument. And I'm willing to come back in two weeks or three yeah. weeks and let's try mm. again. Mm. So out of curiosity, Adam, yes. where would you naturally, or like, you know, if you were to look up a news source or, or information, where would you, where would your old, you know, um, alternative news sources, what would you recommend to people to start off with? Uh, there's three that come to mind immediately. Beautiful. So there is uh, Infowars.com. Yep. There is uh, Naturalnews.com. And there is no more Fakenews.com. <laughs> this was actually around long before Donald Trump. Oh, wow. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's good to hear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so just quickly getting back to what you were saying is that because most people just follow headlines uh, and they go with news of the day, and obviously there's, uh, you know, so much news taking place on a daily basis all over the world, is that... Oh, we wouldn't have a podcast if it didn't, people, that didn't yeah, that's happen. Right. So people who are labelled as conspiracy theorists, uh, label them as you must. But these, as far as I can tell, are some of the hardest working uh, investigative individuals on the planet because they will stick to a topic. They will stick to the 9-11. They will go through all the research uh, long after somebody has moved on to the Kim Kardashian news of the day Mm. and they will stick to it and mark my words, the truth always comes out. There's been so many conspiracies and conspiracy theorists that have been vindicated after the fact, sometimes years after the event has taken place. But, but you know what? Bit... People have moved on and yeah. they're no longer interested. So you could present them uh, unequivocal facts and truth and they will just shrug it off because it's not news of the day anymore. Because they're, they're, they're very interesting and I think valid point, but they're, they're, I guess there's two distinctions. You've got those that are willing to, to look at the information versus those who I've read the tagline of the conspiracy theorists and yes. I'm going to go, I'm gonna go with, with that and that's going to be my viewpoint without the investiga- investigative part. Mm. Um, yes. Interesting point. Fantastic. I think we might. <laughs> it's been over two hours, and this is uh, something fun I have to edit. But <laughs> we like to be realistic here at the We Only Do One Take Once podcast. again, how is how is that my problem? As I was going to say, as CEO of this podcast, <laughs> uh, apart from the What's Only Bugle, the We Only Do One Take podcast, uh, Adam's given us some absolutely fantastic news. It's about- been a pleasure. It has been. I uh, and I can't wait till Adam comes back on again. Yeah. Oh, thank you. We'll have to have him. Back ha- have on. there been any repeat guests so far? We have. Niall, but that doesn't yeah, really doesn't count. count. No. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But we'll, we'll have to get Adam back on. Adam, uh, you got some stuff to plug? Is this, is, where, where can people uh, contact you or read, your, read a blog or look at yeah, some photos yeah. or watch your films? Uh, so the easiest way is uh, adamlarosa.com. So it's A-D-A-M-L-A-R-O-S-A.com? Adamlarosa.com. Or if you literally just type in Adam LaRosa into Google... <laughs> Unfortunately, I will be all over it. Only with <laughs> only with that search term, though. <laughs> Excellent. And uh, you got, you got Twitter, Instagram. And all I have all of it. So my Instagram, my Twitter, my Google Plus. It's all. At oh no! You use Google Plus. Who uses Google Plus? I'll, I'll tell you why. <laughs> my brother tells me about Google, how important Google Plus is. Outside of my brother and people who work in his organization, I don't know anyone that uses <laughs> Google Plus, but he tells me, so I am, I have a Google there Plus presence. Go. Maybe yes. we should do that for the We Only Do One Take podcast. Oh, God, no. <laughs> um, this is a, yeah, definitely check out Adam. I just want to do a quick stats report. Over 700 listens as of, as of today, which is very exciting, and over eight people subscribed on iTunes. And we have five reviews, all five stars on Facebook, which is extra exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a whole... T- and someone who I didn't know today liked the, uh, liked the page. Excellent. That's excellent. A shout out to um, uh, the guy who did that. <laughs> uh, 
Shout out to my anonymous Facebook page That's who right. liked it. <laughs> Jordan. It there was. you go. Do you, do you know that person? Uh, I think I do, but oh, don't quote okay. me on that. All right. But nonetheless, Adam, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. It took it was, a while to get here, but we're here. It was a real honest pleasure, no, pleasure to be here. Absolutely fantastic to get you on finally. Kieran, thank you once again for another fantastic episode. Episode 14. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's no way to finish this. Oh, oh, there is one way to finish it. See you next Thursday. Do 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 do